Hi, this is Joyce Meadows, and you're listening to Monster Kid Radio. Welcome to episode 377 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. I want to welcome you to part two of our Monster Bash coverage. Whether you were at Monster Bash or you weren't at Monster Bash, I'm hoping I can bring to you a taste of Monster Bash that you can't get anywhere else. And that's because I have so many interviews in this episode. Last week, you thought we had a bunch. This week, we have even more. I have so much here lined up. Now, I'm just going to let you know who the people are real quick. Just a roll call. You ready? All right. Hang on. We got Steve Turek, Christopher Page, Micah Harris, Nick Brown, Fred Lane, Gregory William Mank, Joseph Kolakowski, Millie Kolakowski and their family, Mark Matsky, Janina Faye, Don Smoraldi, Leonard Getz, Bob Gilbert, Melanie Gilbert, Rod Barnett, Joyce Meadows, Joshua Kennedy, Dan Day Jr., Tim Durbin, Scott Morris, Tracy Morris, and of course, Victoria Price. And you may hear some other voices in the background as we're doing these recordings. In fact, I'm going to kind of break it up a little bit. The final segment with Josh, that's actually going to be at the very, very end of the show, just because it kind of just spiraled, you know, <laughs> just want to let that go. And people like Dominique and Scott and such, they just kind of turned up in the recording. It wasn't a sit down interview with them. They just can be heard in the background. I think I got everybody, but check out the show notes at monsterkidradio.net for a list of everybody, as well as their website. So you can kind of keep up with them and know what they're up to. This is a long episode, so I want to keep this short. However, I do want to discuss one thing regarding me, the future of Monster Kid Radio and the future of, well, maybe even you. Here's the deal. I've mentioned this to a couple of close friends and I wanted to go ahead and talk about it here. I haven't mentioned it on Facebook yet, but a few days ago, I was, to use the words of my former employer, yes, former, I have been separated from the company, which means I am currently unemployed. What does that mean for you, uh, me, for Monster Kid Radio? Well, Monster Kid Radio is not changing. That's going to continue to be the free show that we do every week here. I I love doing it. I can't stop doing this podcast. However, I need to find some work. I need to bring in some cash. So a lot of this is probably going to be done online. I'm actually hoping to find some audio editing jobs, audio production, that sort of thing, helping people edit their podcast. I am signed up to do sound editing and sound work for Joshua Kennedy's upcoming movie, House of the Gorgon. I'm in talks to do some audio editing for a company that I really respect. Can't really mention who they are because, well, the deal's not done yet, but I'm in talks with them. If you know of anybody looking for somebody who's got 10 plus years of podcasting experience, editing audio, well, point in my direction, would you? Also, I've got plans to revamp how Monster Kid Radio's Patreon campaign is set up. The Patreon page needs to be redone. So look forward to later this month, the Patreon for Monster Kid Radio 3.0 coming your way. Also, I've set up something called Coffee. Coffee is simply K-O hyphen F-I and then dot com. 
slash Monster Kid Radio. It is a free website that is set up to allow you to basically buy me a cup of coffee. It's, it's a donation of $3. That's it. Pretty easy, pretty simple. And uh, it doesn't cost anything for you or me. So if you're interested in just buying me a cup of coffee, well, I love coffee. Just saying. I'll make sure there's a link to all of this in the show notes, of course. I will come back at the very end of the show. So you'll hear from me again here in a little bit. Well, actually, you'll hear from me coming up right about now because, well, I'm the one doing the interviewing. Here we go. He's been helping me out so far all weekend, and I hope it continues because he's been really invaluable. Steve Turek, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. It's just been fun here and that kind of stuff. Just really enjoying it. Second bash. Yes, it is. Last year was my first one. This is my second one, so I'm still one behind you. What's been the best thing so far? Oh, well, have you don't have to say me. Well, I didn't, wasn't going to. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best part of this bash is that not well, last year I had Ben with me, my older son. This time I have Michaela, my daughter, with me. So I have two of my older children. I guess all I need to get is the third one to come, and I'll have the whole set here. Um, but he's not as big into monster movies and that kind of stuff. But, but There's still th- time. I mean, I don't know. There is still time. <laughs> Uh, I think I think now he just likes it. He wears like a bad badge of courage. It's ah. like it's like it's like a badge. Of, like I will not cross that line, and he, he can be rather stubborn. So it might take a few more years to get him over. Though, though he has seen some monster movies, but he's always leery that I'm going to um, totally scare him out. What about the kaiju films? Does he, he watch Godzilla with you? Yes, he does watch Godzilla. Oh, there you go. And he does watch. He's seen the Tingler. Oh, okay. Though he didn't like that as much. But when we saw The Tingler, it was a Rip Tracks version. And I think when you're seeing it, if you've never seen the movie prior, and his probably didn't like it because he's having trouble following what was going along in the movie because they kept talking over the dialogue. And it was an understandable problem, a concern. And I said to him, we own The Tingler. Why don't you watch it again? He goes, no. <laughs> so, But down the road, I'm hopefully going to persuade him over and um, get him to watch that Vincent Price goodness. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Anything else you're looking forward to this weekend? Victoria Price tonight. That is tonight. Yeah. Tonight. I'm looking forward to her talk and, um, of course, watching The Mad Magician prior to that, which I have yet to see. Oh, you've never seen it? Never seen it. Oh, it's pretty good, man. Up for a rally award this year. I heard. Multiple. I heard. But it's it's in a bad year for it to do well. (laughs) 54. 1954 is brutal. What was it about? What was in the water in 1954? Well, other than the Gilman. What else in the water in 1954 that made it so special? There was something a little bigger in the water than the Gilman. Yeah, Godzilla started in water too. Yes, Gojira came out of the water and then um, it was a total game changer because then you had uh, all the giant monster movies from Toho and it came from that with the man in the suit type thing, which people sometimes belittle, but I mean, the model work and everything with oh, that man. film. Subaraya's work. Oh, and direction by Honda. It's such a wonderful film. Yeah. And watching it win and hearing it win the rallies, then yeah. the results come in. It's going to be so good to know that <laughs> Gojira finally knocked off the creature of the Black Lagoon as it should happen. Okay. Well, I mean, I got to play up Godzilla a little bit just because um, there's a little PR problem on the, this particular podcast just for Godzilla. Just because for the past three and a half years, <laughs> Creature's been campaigning for the rally wins. It started early and it started often, but I mean, you know, really Godzilla doesn't need to have a campaign like Creature does because he is the king of the monsters. All right, all right, all right. 
But actually, I'm real curious to see how it turns out. But that that's down the line, man. We're here at Vash right now. I want to say there's yeah. one other film in that 54 range. That, them. Them. Yeah. That is just a battle house of films and monsters. And uh, I, Yeah, it's a crazy I, ballot this year. Crazy ballot. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I am, like you said, very curious. I mean, maybe Creature and Godzilla will split a vote. Them comes in for the, the win, takes the, takes the pick, the rally with the picnic yeah. prize. I don't know. Yeah. So the rallies, I mean, that's coming up down the line when we announce the winners for that. The ballot's open for that now. But the ballot is closed for the top 100 monster movies, which we are unveiling here at the batch. As of this recording, we are what? Through 60? 60 through 100? Yes, we've, we've unveiled um, no, 41 for 100. Okay. 41 for 100. And we're soon going to be unveiling uh, 21 for 40. Okay, that'll be coming up later today, and then tomorrow, the top 20, as well as the top 20, even some price films, as voted by the listeners of Monster Kid Radio. Yes, and I'll tell you, I think the way that we've been doing it, unveiling them 20 at a time, has been interesting, because we've had a lot of people come back, a lot of discussion. Um, some some people get rather heated in their discussion about why, like, what my, my favorite movie's down that low, and I'm thinking, well, did you vote? They go, no. I said, well, you got to vote year. next year. Next year. And um, so we have a lot of people that have been interested with the list, some people saying, they can't wait to see the top 20 because they, they figured it would be 20 films they can introduce people to that have not seen monster movies. And so it's going to be um, it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, what do you think about playing around with the Classic Five, Steve? Let's do it. All right. All right. Here we go. First card, Steve. Do you prefer Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing? Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing. Oh. Oh. I'm going to go with Peter Cushing because he's in my favorite Hammer film, The Seven Golden Vampires. And everything that Peter Cushing is in gets raised up a little bit. I mean, he can be in something that is just totally going nowhere, and you're just going to enjoy what Peter Cushing does. I'm not holding anything against Christopher Lee. I love Christopher Lee, too, but it's just if you, if you had to put me between the two, it's, it's, it's Peter Cushing. Okay. All right. So Cushing gives every movie a pushing. Yes. <laughs> I, I, that is awful. I'll never say that again. Card number two. <laughs> son of Kong or Son of Godzilla? Um, see, Son of Godzilla. You know, I was about to say, really? But, you know, having talked with you so much this weekend about kaiju films, that makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense. Well, Son of Kong is pretty awesome. Yeah, I enjoy both. I mean, again, you can't go wrong either one. But if you had, to, like, like we were saying, when you pick between two, it, how can you go wrong? If you watch Son of Kong, you're going to enjoy yourself. If you watch yep. Son of Godzilla, you're going to enjoy yourself. Um, being being a big Godzilla fan that I am, I'm going to go with Godzilla. Card number three, Steve. I was a teenage werewolf or I was a teenage Frankenstein? I was a teenage werewolf. Michael Landon. That's, that's, I like it way better than the other one. It's just, it's just I don't know, it, it, it just is enjoyable. It's one of those you can just watch on a, on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and just relax and just, and just have a nice enjoyable uh, flick. I've always liked werewolf movies more than... Frankenstein movies personally because I like the conflict that you get because when they're, when they're not in wolf form and that goes that carries all the way back to Lon Chaney Jr.'s The Wolfman and you know you, so you see that part where Frankenstein what I love about that is the doctor part because you get there with the monster is when like Boris Karloff and him are great but they don't get to show as much of that um, emotional range because of the, the limiting because of the character they're playing okay all right, card number four is from the Hammer deck. Not counting the original, what is your favorite Hammer Dracula film? Not counting, well, I think I just said that already. I think you just did too. <laughs> the, the, the Seven Golden Vampires. I mean, 
Now, I guess technically Dracula is in that film. Dracula right. is in it in the very beginning and the very end, but, but he takes another persona, so he's really in it the whole film. That's true. It is Dracula. He's, he's Dracula undercover. I, I grew up watching... Okay, now there needs to be a spy movie set in the 70s, Dracula Undercover. Why set it in the 70s? <laughs> Why set it in the 70s? Because that's, that's, that's the, the spy era, man, the James Bond stuff. Yeah. It would just be great. Dracula's everywhere. Really, though, because you and I always like to talk about the, the vampire hunters. Yeah, being that like way. Cave of the Living Dead and all that. Cave yeah. of the Living Dead. I mean, just, just just reverse it. And then you have Dracula and his... Imagine a TV show. Uh-huh. Dracula and his minions and the vampire hunters going at the minions. And then it ends and it's 13-episode arc on Netflix or something like that with <laughs> the last two episodes of him... The, or her, whatever the vampire hunters are, against the man, the you, myth, the legend of Dracula. You will know when the show's about to get canceled because suddenly they fight Dracula. <laughs> Just to wrap it all up. Well, no, you, you see him all during the thing because he's, oh, okay, he's, okay. he's the he's like the godfather <laughs> pulling the puppet string. So you see him all the time. So you know that he's the big bad, but the, the hunter and the Dracula don't meet until then. And the beauty of it is if it does great, as we all know, Dracula always has ways to come back. <laughs> right. That's right. All right, final card, Steve. It's a universal card. What movie do you prefer better, Steve? Revenge of the Creature or The Creature Walks Among Us? <laughs> okay, the, the Revenge of the Creature is, is the one I like better than The Creature Walks Among Us. One, it's in 3D, so I always enjoy the 3D true. parts true. with it. And when The Creature Walks Among Us, to me, I enjoy it, but it loses a thing because it's The Creature Walking among us it's 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 taking it out of that element that well, i really they, they enjoy change him. it's not the, when the first time i saw it i was like gill man where's my gill man you know I, i've actually slowly warmed to it over the years but not because of the monster stuff it's the human story in this film that i really connect with this infidelity thing kind of sort of mm-hmm. you know this almost love triangle thing love it but <laughs> revenge come on it's 3D. It's John Agar. It's Jack Arnold. Come on. We could keep going on with that, but it's just... I still think Revenge of the Creature is one of the better sequels during that time frame done yeah. from Creature to Black Lagoon because it, it's the way they tie in in the beginning so much with that first film. It's a direct continuation. I mean, it ties right back to it. They really cared about that part of it. And I feel like they didn't have to because it's not like people saw these things on DVD you know, or anything. You saw it once and that was it. Well, I mean, and really, they didn't at that time. One, there wasn't too many sequels. And two, nobody really cared. I mean, it was just like, ah, just throw it out there. Nobody's going to know, as you say, because you, you see it once. There's no VHS, no DVD, no streaming right. as there is nowadays. And so I think care they put with that little script adds a little more to it for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really, it's just fun. It's enjoyable. It's the creature. And it's John Agar, man. John Agar. I, I, I know, I know there you. There needs to be a John Agar podcast. I know you and John Agar have a bromance <laughs> going on. I mean, we, we all know who your 50s girlfriend is. I think John Agar is like your bromance on one side, and, and England, Peter Cushing is your bromance on the other side. I've never, <laughs> never had anybody accuse me of having a bromance with John Agar, but I'll take it. I'm, I'm just saying. I'll take it. And that just got a great look from somebody walking by. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and then if you throw in another, in from Bella Lugosi, it's like you have a bromance with like three different guys going on right there. Okay. You know, I love Lugosi. I really do. <laughs> I don't know if I could handle hanging out with the man. It would be very intense all the time. And everything that I've read about him, he loved his goulash. And he loved his very aromatic Hungarian food. And after a while, I don't know if I want to smell that. No offense to people who like that. I like it. But I'm just saying it would be very intense. Whereas John Agar, just kind of hang out, man. Talk well, about the, the women and, and the well, parties. And the, if, you're hanging, the if, you're hanging out, if you're hanging out with John Agar, you better be ready to drink some stuff. 
well, at what point do I get to hang out with John Edgar? That's the thing. When he's when he finally cleaned up and, and that sort of thing, when he's doing summer stock, you know, where do I get to hang out with him? Well, if you can go back in your way back machine, definitely don't hang with him when he's with John Wayne because I don't think you'd be there. I don't think you'd be standing in the morning. Yeah, so so post Shirley Temple. <laughs> I think after he's cleaned up his stuff, yeah. you probably had the best fun with him. Yeah, no, he and he actually met his second wife on the set of Revenge of the Creature. Uh, she is one of the dancers in the lobster house scene or whatever. She's in there. So he met his future wife there, and um, she helped him kind of clean it up. He had one relapse, as far as I know, but other than that, pretty good. So. It is so tough to get over that stuff, and people sometimes make fun of these actors and actresses that go for rehab and come back, and they go back and forth. But it, it is it is a thing that's an ongoing problem, and it's, it's, it it's, it's really great that they're able to go and not succumb to these inner demons. I mean, they're just people. You know, yeah. Lon yeah. Chaney had his issues. I mean, and Lugosi's, you know, uh, painkiller issue. You know, it's a thing. It happened. They're people. They, you know. Exactly. How are we getting this dark, man? It's not dark. It's, it's actually looking at these people that recovered and came out of this stuff. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I was thinking Lugosi and how he didn't. Well, it's, I think it was the Hungarian goulash. I, that it's, is what it was. It's just, it's just totally. But now I'm hungry and I don't know if it's that or the diabetes. I don't know either. <laughs> Can, can you can That's can you true. eat goulash? Can I eat? I used to eat it a lot growing up. You know, my mom made some good goulash. Well, no, I just didn't know. You know, her diet. What's that? This is my, no, no, no. It's fine. No, it's all good, man. This is Monster Kid Radio. It is my weekly internet radio show where we talk about nothing but classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema. So monster movies, whether it's Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, giant leeches. Um, Monos the Hands of Fate. Killer Shrews. It's every week. Uh, it's free to download or listen to on the website. And one of the features of the show is this game we have called the Classic Five, which I was just doing with Steve. It's like an icebreaker question where I, uh, each one of these cards has a question on it. Like, Steve, what do you prefer? The Amazing Colossal Man or Attack of the 50-Foot Woman? Amazing Colossal Man. Okay. Mr. Big. <laughs> and... Uh, that's, my answer is not wrong. I heard somebody saying out there it was a wrong answer. It's my opinion, but my there personal no preference. There are no it's wrong like answers. But thing, Allison you know. Hayes is involved, which means your answer is wrong. And I've got those for sale actually for fifteen dollars deck. <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion, <laughs> and I validate your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> And I can help you with some therapy. Because <laughs> she, she's wearing a tingler, stuffed tingler, and she thinks it's real. She keeps petting it, so I'm a little worried about her. Thank I won't you. mention her name, but she lives in the Oregon region. <laughs> hey, that's what you're here for, right? Have a great time. Yeah. Did you move one? I did not move one. He bought a monster puzzler book, though. So. That, 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 every Well, thanks for playing the classic six with me, Steve. <laughs> You're welcome. We had a little Dominique thrown in there who was, who was um, razzing me on my pick. And then, you know, we need to do some more Allison Hayes on the show. We really do. We, do. we really do. I think, I think Dominique should be your guest host on that Allison Hayes retrospective so, series. Okay, so she did 50-Foot Woman. What else did she do? Um, she was in, like... Pretty much every Corman film for a okay. period of about. Was she in Giant Leeches? No, she. No, that was Yvette Vickers. That's right. That's um, right. She was in The Undead. My personal favorite is Gunslinger, where she was the villain to Beverly Garland's uh, hero. Okay. Okay. Um, she was really good in that movie, even though she hated it. She was in The Disembodied, where she played a voodoo priestess. Sounds like you and I are going to be doing an Allison Hayes special. What do you yes. think? It's on the radio. It's on the show. It's it is committed. committed. 
Oh no, come on, Chris. I'd actually, <laughs> I would love to have Chris and Steve swap spots if you're available for a few minutes. Yeah, for a few minutes, yeah, absolutely. Paige okay. and Christopher. Paige and Christopher. <laughs> the killer. All right, so we've got, and we're going to keep it quick because it looks like he had something coming up. Christopher Page, Orphan Entertainment, the Time Shifters podcast. How are yes. you doing, sir? I am doing fantastic. Thank you very much. How are you doing, Derek? I'm doing good. What's your favorite thing at the Bash so far? Actually, just getting together with uh, all the friends of the Bash friends. You know, yeah. the, the, the Monster Kid uh, group and the B Movie Clubhouse group. Seeing everybody that I you know see here every year, that's mm-hmm. kind of really what I came up for this year. I really wasn't looking for a lot of stuff as far as movies. Uh, There's going to be some good films, and I was looking forward to seeing them. But for the most part, I just wanted to come out and hang out with my buddies. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. I I keep seeing you go back and forth, so I hope you're like doing that with people all over the place. Just... Yeah, I'm kind of bumping into people here and there, and then I'm dropping, taking something to the car, and then coming back, and then yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to do a couple of classic five questions before we let you go? Yeah, we can try that. Yep. All right. I'm so... always a little nervous with this because I'm still. Catching up on some like classic monster hey, stuff. Hey man, no, there's no wrong answers. You've heard the show. Yep, there's no wrong right. answers. It's a classic five. Christopher Page yep. of the Orphan Entertainment Podcast, where people can ridicule you if you are wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. uh, just kidding. No, Christopher Page. What is your favorite William Castle gimmick? Oh, the gimmick. Did he do the uh, buzz in the seats? Mm-hmm. That was a castle gimmick, wasn't it? I think that is probably one the, of the, the most tingler, right? Yeah, that's yeah. for the tingler. Of yeah, which, yep. yeah. I mean, that's talk about how kind of sort of visceral and just it's right there. You're gonna jump. Yeah, I like that. Okay, all right, all right. Question number two: What is your favorite big bug monster movie? Uh big. I got to go with them. I mean, that seems like a go-to. I know that seems like kind of like a cop out, hey, but it's a good uh, film. It's a yeah. good film. Yeah, no, no yeah. arguments there. Card three is a hammer card. Ooh, okay. What is your favorite hammer film monster design? Uh, I don't even know if I can answer that. Um, because there's a lot of the hammer monsters that I haven't seen outside of Frankenstein and Dracula and stuff like that. Mummy, I've seen. Um, I do like their their Frankenstein. I thought that was kind of the neat because that is Christopher Lee Frankenstein. The Christopher Lee okay. Frankenstein, yeah, because it just looked like a decaying body. It's a little bit more true to the novel than yeah, Universal's. exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So I'll I'll just stick with that for now. Yeah. Okay, all right. From the Monster Bash exclusive Ooh. expansion, when was the first time you went to Monster Bash? Now, this will be my fourth bash. Okay. So, right this year. So, uh, whatever that math is, 2014. <laughs> it's still early in the day for me, yeah. <laughs> you know, Pacific so, time. So, yeah, I won't, pl- won't do the math. Four months ago. And the final card, it's a universal card. What's your favorite Karloff Lugosi universal collaboration? See, this is where I'm, I'm lacking a little bit. This is where I'm kind of catching up on some of the stuff. Okay. Well, you've seen some, though. I've seen a few. I've seen some. Um, so, who, who was it? Lugosi Le- and Karloff. Lugosi. And Karloff. What was the one that I just... Oh. They end up playing chess together. It was at... Um, oh. Was that Black Cat? Is it that is. right? Yeah. That was a good one. So that was good. a good one. I was kind of one of those ones where I was... I've heard about it. I need to watch it. Wow, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. it is yeah. so good, man. Yeah. I love I love everything about the Black Cat. Save the couple that... The comedic, comic relief couple that's in there. Oh, okay. I think yeah, you kind yeah, of maybe... Okay, it's been a little that. while since I've watched this. So it's not, you know, but no, Karloff and Lugosi, smart man. Okay, yeah. you win. All right, you, you, you win the game. <laughs> there you go. You win good, the game. good, good. Christopher has won the classic five. Woo, finally, someone's won. <laughs> hey, speaking of classic five, if I can kind of jump, like almost sort of go back yes. to a question that was asked on one of your shows. I don't know who you were asking it and everything. So okay. You asked the question, who would you like to see play Frankenstein who hasn't? Okay. The Frankenstein monster, I should yeah. say, or whatever. I'd want Joshua Kennedy to play. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even listening. 
And I had the thought, because it was only just after you talked about the Rondo Awards, has anyone ever suggested Rondo Hatton? We were playing the game last night, and that I, I actually brought that up. I, I yeah. wonder if Rondo Hatton would be a good Frankenstein because of the... Not He's already him, got the disproportionate features yeah. and everything. I think you slap some makeup on him. Maybe I mean, does he even really need the platform yeah, shoes? You know, he, he yeah, seemed like know. he was a pretty big guy. Very, you know, a lot of presence. I think he would have been an awesome Frankenstein monster. Okay. I just want to, it's probably one of those things I should have wrote in or called into the show like months ago when hey, you first came up with this. It's but on thought, the show <laughs> now, man. It is part of podcasting It's like no one's, now. I've never heard anyone say Rondo Hatton. That seems like a gimme. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. All right, so where, where can people find you? All right, uh, go to timeshifterspodcast.com and orphanentertainment.com. And then from there, you'll find links to everywhere else that you can find us on the web. So and I know have, I have promos for both of those in rotation yep. on Monster Kid Radio. Yes, you do. Thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, people should be able to find you, man. Christopher, Absolutely. you're awesome. Derek, Thank you're you just so as awesome. Well, Thank you. <laughs> I, I have a lot to live up to with all these fellow podcasters and other uh, no, incredibly the mo- cool monster the, the Monster Bash, you cannot throw a black cat without hitting a podcaster. That, that's true. <laughs> I was telling Dom, was it Dominico I was telling this earlier? One surgical strike and half a genre podcasting is done. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Another MKR. I'm going to call you a regular, even though you've only technically been on once. You've written in quite a few times. And we are going to have you on again to talk about the man without a body because it sounds crazy. It always has. Micah Harris, man, welcome back. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Monster Bash. How are you doing? I'm doing very well here among my fellow monster children. Is this the first bash for you? First bash. But not the first time in this hotel. Not the first time in this hotel. It was here last year for Pulp Fest, my first Pulp Fest. Okay. So, what do you think of the bash so far? It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, had a great day. And you got in last night, though, right? Uh huh. So, Late. What, what's your favorite thing so far that you've done? Meeting and talking with the uh, the actress who was the uh, victimized would be victimized little girl by Lucy in Horror of Dracula. Oh, nice. Uh, she was just incredibly warm lady and, and nice and fun to speak with yeah janina faye um just seems really sweet very much so very much so yeah very I cool her. Uh-huh. and is there anything else you're looking forward to now while you're here i'm looking forward to seeing the blaring of planet eros with an audience <laughs> and then uh hearing the question and answer with joyce meadows <laughs> and I, I talked to her a little bit about that about being the object of desire and, you know, almost giving the brain of printed Eros a aneurysm with, <laughs> out of his lust for her. She told me she was doing, had done Tennessee Williams. And I asked her, well, you know, which took more <laughs> preparation, you know, like the glass menagerie or the brain from planet Eros? And, <laughs> and she talked like she almost took one as serious as the other, you know. And, you know she gave it her all. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I did stop by and I've chatted with her briefly, and I'm really hoping to get an interview with her later. She seems that, very nice. She, so. is very, she is very nice. Yeah. So. You see that bikini picture of her there? <laughs> that, the, the, the brain would have exploded. <laughs> I mean, if he was flipping out when she's just dressed like June Cleaver, you know, the 50s stuff, seeing that much skin, I don't think the brain, best line ever, you know, we'll rule the world, you and me and Sally, a very exciting Earth female. It's like, hey, calm down, boy. You know, that's, uh, that's like easy brain. 
Is that Aros or Arouse? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right? right. Yeah. Maybe so, that's where they got the that, title. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, I probably won't bring that up if I interview her because I don't want her. I want her to stay a little bit longer than you know. Just, <laughs> no, I've heard she's really cool, so I'm looking forward to chatting with her. And and I do want to hear her Q and A, uh, which is I believe tomorrow, but the movie's tonight at the drive-in outside. Okay. Which if. if Listeners, if you haven't been at the Monster Bash before, just to kind of paint a picture for you, there's a nice field out there outside the parking lot, outside the hotel. They set up a screen. They set up a a projector. They show a movie. And it's so much fun. I hope people brought their picnic blankets and stuff because you're sitting on the grass. Uh But it's it's just a lot of fun to, to be out there and watch this movie outside with people. And then things are going past that. There's a, a screening of John, uh, Joshua Kennedy's silent film later tonight after that. The gift toss is later on tonight. There's just so much stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be fun. And then Victoria Price is here in a little bit. So she's got a, a talk as well. So it's going to be a good time, man. It's fantastic. All right. So I've got you sitting here. You know it's time for the Classic Five, right? Uh, uh, again? Again. Okay, we're up to working on Classic Ten. Well, you haven't played it yet on mic this weekend. Oh, okay. All right. So. All right. Card number one. This is from the Monster Bash exclusive deck. What two classic science fiction movies would make a perfect double feature? Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Invaders from Mars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The Menzies. The, yeah, yeah. The kids after school special version of... Uh, invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I could. Which would you play first in that lineup? Uh, wow, it's a good question. Actually, do you want a downbeat evening or a upbeat evening? Because between the two, invasion of the body snatchers has a more upbeat ending. Yeah. You know, it really does. Even though it's got that hole, and they're coming for you. Yeah. Because yeah, they saved the. I would do uh, the color one last. Uh, okay. Invaders from Mars. Okay. Okay. All right, card number two. Who's your favorite giant monster, King Kong or Godzilla? King Kong. Wow, that was fast. Yeah, 33 King Kong's my favorite movie. And uh, I, I'm not, you know, without affection for Godzilla mm-hmm. by any means. Sure. You know, if you'd asked me that when I was 12 years old, I would probably say Godzilla. But, yeah, Kong is of mythic proportions. And, uh, yeah, I, I love classic Kong. Okay. 33 Kong. All right, all right. That's all right. I'm talking about. There you go. Yeah, hey, man, I'm on board. All right, next question. Colin Clive or Peter Cushing? Peter Cushing. <laughs> Peter that, Cushing that, is the, the man. That's the more popular answer here. Yeah, Peter Cushing is the man. Uh, the next question here, Micah. Who's your favorite mad scientist? My favorite... Peter Cushing. That's <laughs> Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> If you ask me who my favorite Hammer Glamour Girl is, guess who it's not going to be? It's Peter, Peter Cushing. Cushing. <laughs> no, it's not Peter Cushing. No, in this case. Yeah. All right, final card. This is from the Universal Expansion. Una O'Connor as the Invisible Man's Jenny Hall, or Una O'Connor as Bride of Frankenstein's Minnie. I hadn't seen Invisible Man in a long time. Well, can you really see the Invisible Man? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know uh, okay. what you mean. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I walked right into that one. Um, wow, I guess, you know, the I'm not really that keen on Una <laughs> anyway. But so, you know, sure, Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. You know, why, right. why, why not just 
why couldn't he have just thrown her into the mill at the beginning of the she, she has a dual role in that movie. If you watch the very beginning sequence with Mary Shelley and all that, mm-hmm. she's the maid walking the dogs. Yeah, that she was great. Keeping her that. mouth shut. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> best, best part ever. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, a little Una goes a long way. A little Una goes a long way. I there, agree there, with you. There, that's, 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 that's very right. true. Once that the, needs to be on a once T-shirt. The, once the, once the squawking begins, I, <laughs> you know, please... <laughs> After over into the depths of the burned out meal. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's the classic five. How do you feel? About the same as before, uh, except that maybe a little relieved. You, you never know what you're going to get with the deck. That's true. That's Al- true. Although one of those questions was actually one that I looked at last night from having purchased my own classic five yeah? deck. And tried it out, so I had a little bit of a prep. Oh, okay. I had a cheat sheet. (laughs) There's no winners or losers, man. There's no right answers. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. I love that thing. Like I told you, I want it on my coffee table when I go home. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'll keep you in mind when I do more expansions. Yeah, do that. I will. Yeah. I will. I've got a kaiju deck in the works and then a, a deep cut, real deep nerdery type stuff in the works. It's a deep nerdery. Huh? That's right. The real hard stuff. <laughs> it is Sunday morning, and I don't think the dealer's room's open. The movies are showing because they're always showing, and people are starting to come down, including podcast luminary, author, soon to be world renowned movie producer. And one of my favorite Nicks, Nick Brown. How you doing, man? Oh, Derek, thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm doing great this morning, man. It's uh, it's it's definitely a Sunday morning. How's the bash treated you so far? You know, the bash has been a lot of fun this year. It's it's really really been a lot of seeing uh, all the folks that like a lot of the listeners to the B Movie Podcast, getting to see you guys, getting to uh, just hang around with folks who appreciate good quality older cinema. You know, because I hang around with a lot of folks and when I'm doing the filmmaking and stuff who think something from the 1980s is really, really old. So, you know, oh, my God, that was made before I was born. How can we watch it? <laughs> you know, Nick, we, we, we are older. You know, that, I, I, I try not to think about that, though. I feel energized here, so maybe not. Well, you know, this is a good environment to feel energized in because everybody's you know, they, they call us monster kids, and I think there's a reason that the kids is at the end yeah. of it, because that comes out when we're at events like this, and we can, we can talk to other people who appreciate this stuff, because, you know, it's not often you can have a conversation with people about which Vincent Price movie is your favorite, or, you know, what Frankenstein is best, or you can say the name John Carradine and people don't think of his son in a closet. Wow. <laughs> Well, that's something I didn't expect to think about at Monster Bash. <laughs> hey, I always manage to bring in the lowest common denominator. Uh, but it is Nick, so I, I probably shouldn't have been... <laughs> so, what's going on with the films, man? You've been doing a lot of film stuff. How's your IMDb page? Uh, actually, I have a surprisingly long list of credits on IMDb, but that's beside the point. Because I actually, somebody looked me up. I'm Nick Brown 7, by the way. Because apparently there's six other Nick Browns with NIC. Sure, why not? But, uh, no, I, you know, the film stuff's going along pretty well, actually. We've uh, our action comedy loss prevention. The ink is not dry on anything yet, but we are we're very, very confident that we're going to have it on a streaming service before the end of the year. Oh, wow. Uh, through, uh, through a distributor, and we can't really say what streaming service it is until something is signed sure but 
the deal is negotiated. We're just waiting for some finalities on it. And that's the one with uh, Al Snow, Al right? Snow yeah. and, uh, and Vernon Wells from Commando and uh, The Road Warrior. <laughs> Yeah, and by the way, Vernon Wells, 70-something years old, was very happy to tell me he still owns his assless chaps from the Road Warrior. Did he bring him to set? Uh, he, thank God he did not, because he probably would have warned them. He's, he's a fun guy. What are uh, some of the things that you've enjoyed about seeing at the Bash so far? Any guests or movies? or? You know, it's funny, because I, the very first film that I, sh- I saw when I showed up here was Day of the Triffids. Oh, nice. And, well... And I didn't realize this, because it's been a while, it's been 10 years, but Day of the Triffids was the first movie I did for the movie podcast with Vince. Oh, wow. And it was also the last time I watched Day of the Triffids, it occurred to me. Oh, wow. So, yeah, because I remember I'd watched Day of the Triffids, I'd watched the BBC miniseries from the 80s, I'd watched the 2006 BBC miniseries, and I'd read the book. So I was kind of just triffeted. I had my triffid level at high. Mm-hmm. That was really cool watching it again, though. And I'd forgotten some of the little, you know, tricks that they'd done in the movie to to make it different from the book and make it workable because yeah. it was a the book was a much bigger uh, story than they could do in one two hour movie. Right. You know, but it's good. And and a funny one about that is I kept telling Mary that Richard Keel was in it because, as you know, I'm terrible with names. And Mary kept going, Richard, I don't see him. Where is he? I don't see him. He's, he's right there. No, that was Howard Keel, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> a completely different keel. So. But now I'm on an even keel, so it's better. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and I went to uh, Frank's talk about uh, the ghosts of Frankenstein. Wasn't that good? That was very good. And, you know, he takes a very interesting approach on this because he really takes the stories and builds the world that would be around them that mm-hmm. we never see is that, you know, we get to go in and see 90 minutes or two hours of a film, and that's all the story we get. And Frank's take on it is he builds the world that happens between the stories or after mm-hmm. the stories. And if you've read his book on uh, The Wolfman. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, I, I'm amazed by the detail that he's able to bring into that stuff. That takes... Yeah, that takes a certain very special type of imagination, and I I really appreciate that kind of work. Frank is, um, I'm gonna start calling him like the master of the head cannon because I mean yeah. he can make it all just fit. And his thing yeah. about Return of the Vampire last year was a ama- just he is he's a treasure, man. Yeah, he is. He really is. is. And you know this year, this year's been it's like I said it's been a lot of fun. I love hanging out in the dealer room because well okay I love it and I hate it. Because I love it because there's so much cool stuff, and I hate it because it reminds me of what my budget is for events. <laughs> because like there's this. so much cool stuff. <laughs> exactly. I will say we picked up a couple of very uh, interesting werewolf books. Uh, oh, good. Including uh, what's Troy's uh, just released his Paul oh the Paul Nashi book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Paul Nashi book, and we haven't had a chance to go through it yet, but it looks amazing. I my Paul Nashi knowledge is very low, mm. and and I know every time I say that Rod like rolls over a little bit weird just wherever he's at he's like oh man what's yeah. you know but you <laughs> well know. you know you can't be you can't have vast knowledge of everything you know well i'm trying well, well you can try you can try <laughs> but that's why there's there's always room for books like that though because it helps us all get our up our knowledge and mm-hmm. up our game on it because i'm really into werewolves and werewolf movies mm-hmm. but paul nash is a sort of a blind spot for me 
So, you know, it's good for me, and that's something, you know, Fiona and I are uh, thinking about working on some projects, and if we do, that might be helpful. I know years ago you guys were working on something. Is that maybe it's, coming back? It's possible. It's possible, but I don't want to I don't want to bring it out specically right now because we're actually uh, we're actually doing a book proposal on it to okay. uh, some publishers. So okay. I don't want to talk too much so about the So those who know, know. Those who don't, stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. You know, keep now, your fingers I, crossed. Now, there is one that I can talk about pretty freely. We're, we're working up a list of movies right now for the 1960s B-movie cookbook. Are you doing it? Yeah, we're going yes. to go ahead and do it. And the thing is, we spent a lot of time thinking about the movies to do for the B-movie cookbook, the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And... There was actually, we cut it down to 15. The original list was about 40. And, well, we knew we weren't going to do 40. We were planning either 10 or 15. And the thing is, you have to watch the movies and figure out if they fit a cookbook. Because there's some, I mean, I'll tell you, the biggest stretch we had, but I really wanted to get it in there, so I shoehorned and made it work, was Forbidden Planet. Because there is no food in that movie whatsoever. They disintegrate a pear at one point, and that's it. But they drank a lot. I don't say there's a whole lot of booze. So, so we made <laughs> we made the leap that we would do you know bourbon themed desserts, and it was feeding the id. So you know, and that's how we justified that. But yeah, you gotta because we watched a couple of spaghetti westerns, mm-hmm. and by their name, you're inherently like, hey. This is going to fit, but, you know, the ones we watched didn't work. So we've got a couple more we're going to look at. But it takes it takes a decent amount of time just to select the movies mm-hmm. and then start building the recipes around them. And that's all Fiona. Okay, I couldn't cook my way out of a wet paper bag. Uh, but, you know, I know the movies and she knows how to cook. So it's a good combination. There you go. It's a good partnership. Yes. I, so Scott Morris. I want to make a suggestion. Okay. Quater mass in the chicken barbecue pit. Oh, okay. If we use that, I will give you credit for it, Scott. Quater mass in the chicken barbecue pit. I like that. Actually, quater mass in the pit barbecue. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Then then we can do pork or something, too. Cause, but that's good. I like that. I don't know. I like that a lot. And actually, it's funny because, because coming to the Monster Bash gives me ideas for movies, too. Because you, you start sitting there thinking about, okay, 1960s, and you start thinking about different genres, and you forget about other stuff. So, like, I was watching The Time Travelers, and it's like, ooh, The Time Travelers, that's a time, you know, that's from the 60s, that's fair game, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it's fun. And it's good to do a project like that with my wife because our writing interests are very different. Uh, she's much more scholarly, and I'm much more, look out, there's a werewolf. So, you know. <laughs> and Fiona's across the hallway giving us like a, huh? Yeah, I was like, and she just walked up again at that moment. So, very appropriate. So, say it's probably a good partnership because she cooks and then you get to eat. Well, there's that too. And that right? is, okay, I will say this is one of my bragging points about the cookbook. Because most of the time when you do a cookbook, you do fake food. You prepare food, you, you freeze it, you do something to it so it stays nice. You use Crisco instead of whipped cream so it doesn't melt. Seriously, those are tricks you do so you can take good pictures. And what we ended up doing was we uh, 
prepared the meals, set them up, and then we took a lot of really fast photos, and then we ate them. So everything you see in the photos of food in the book, we turned around and ate within 10 minutes of those pictures being <laughs> being taken. So, you know, it took a lot of rearranging in the house, too, because I I figured out that I could set up a table in front of our television and set scenes from the oh, movies okay. up in the background. So you'll see that in a few of the photos, too. So would, would you say some of these are true TV dinners? Very true TV <laughs> dinners. In fact, we would just pull the table away from the TV and eat. So, yes. And by the way, there's a tropical chicken recipe in there that is possibly my favorite chicken. And it's from, from Hell It Came. So I thank the Tabanga for the best chicken I've ever eaten. So, so I want to I jump tracks a little bit. Okay. Film-wise, the one movie we already talked about, and I'm assuming there's some other things kind of percolating, yep. simmering a little yep. bit. Well, as a matter of fact, right now we're, uh, we're also working, looking at distribution for a horror film we did. It's a psychological thriller slash sort of monster paranormal movie. And that sounds like a whole lot of stuff, and it kind of is. Uh, but it's called Wretch. And we're going to be actually uh, looking at marketing that probably around November, December timing. We're going to start looking to really get that out to uh, get put it in front of some film distributors. Okay. Because we think that one, I believe that's as good as some of the stuff that's come out recently that got major distribution deals. Like uh, It Comes at Night. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen that film. That was a really good film. But I think Wretch is just as good as that. So I want to try and... I want to try and get it in front of some real eyes for that. So I'm excited about that. And then uh, we're also, actually we're in pre-production. Excuse me, I started to say post-production. We're actually in pre-pre-production on uh, one other film project right now. Not really able to say much about that at this point, but I'm excited about that. And we're also looking to start shooting that maybe in November. Uh, My filmmaking partner also works with the Asylum Haunted Attraction in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the production manager for a lot of the haunts that are involved in that. And because of that, October's not a good time for him. September's not a good time for me because I'm involved with the Scarefest Horror Convention. So we're putting out production until we'll probably start really cranking that in November. Okay. So so we're excited about it, though. And, you know, it's you got to keep moving or you sink. So we're keep, we keep moving. <laughs> so the seventh Nick Brown on IMDb. Yep. The second Nick Brown author on Google, right? Because there's another Nick Brown yeah, author. Yeah, yeah. Who writes life-affirming, coming-of-age <laughs> stories, whatever. When you, look, when you Google Nick Brown, look for the werewolves. That's, you know, that's what you look for. <laughs> you were on the show once before. Yep. We did it then. We're going to do it again. Uh-oh. It's the classic five-card game. All right, let's roll. All right, card number one. What is your favorite Vincent Price film? My favorite Vincent Price film is The House on Haunted Hill. We discussed this already uh, earlier when I was looking at your list of top 20 Vincent Price movies. Mm Because I think that is a really interesting movie. And I think it's one of Vincent Price's best performances, to be honest. And he's so just creepy, you don't know if you love him or hate him through the whole movie. It's a solid film. Solid film. Card number two, Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing? In the wrestling match, in a movie, and just in general context. I'm going to go with uh, Peter Cushing. It looks like you and your wife get to stay together a little bit longer. Yeah, maybe you, just you, a little. You just have the thumbs up. Just a, <laughs> just a little bit longer. So, <laughs> All right, card number three. This is from the Hammer expansion deck. 
what Hammer film character was the best dressed? Okay, it's funny because we picked up a set of these cards last uh-huh. yesterday, and we were playing them last night and rolled through that question. And yeah. I, I stick by my answer. Captain Kronos was the best dressed <laughs> Hammer character. No thumbs down from anybody. He had frilly collars and got the booty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fourth card. What's your favorite classic 3D movie? This is from the Monster Batch expansion. Okay. Favorite classic 3D movie? <sighs> you know, there's a. that was such a fad for a while, and I like them. I, you know, I'm going to go with The Creature from the Black Lagoon, though. I think that was... And We're let me, still friends. Well, we are still friends, and let me tell you a part of the reason. That was the first film I ever saw in 3D, and it was one of those things where they tried to play it on TV and make the 3D work. And my stepdad, God love him, the man was trying to make me happy. They got the 3D glasses, and he spent an hour adjusting that TV so that the 3D effect would work. And then we watched it, and it gave us all a headache. But... You know, that's a, that's a special memory for me. So I'm going to say I'm going to have to go with the creature from the Black Lagoon. Final card. Who do you prefer? William Castle or Bert I. Gordon? Oh, God. Do I prefer gimmicks in the theater or giant stuff? Um, I'm actually going to go with Bert I. Gordon. Okay. Uh, because I just, as a kid, my favorite movies were always ones where something got bigger than it should be. Whether it was, you know, whether it was ants chasing Joan Collins, giant rats chasing Marjo Gortner, which, by the way, say his name five times fast. I'll pass, thanks. Yeah, but, you know, I just, I really like Bird Eye Gordon's stuff. And, you know, I mean, William Castle, I mean, he's a great guy, and I love, you know, I mean, House on Haunted Hill, what can you say? Right. But, got to go with giant ants and giant rats and puppet people and whatever else you can get which by the way why did he call it puppet people they weren't pu- they were miniature people come on but anyway i digress well nick i am always happy to see you guys at a convention um it's one of the best parts of coming to these things is running into old friends and, and spending time with people people can hear you on the b movie cast when it comes out and b movie man is still the best place to find you online uh, b movie man's a good place to find me online you can also find me at the bmoviecookbook.com okay hey. make, there's always links in the show notes to everybody i have on the show so we'll make sure there's a link well i appreciate that and thanks for having us on it's always it's always great to catch up with you derek i love it so earlier in the weekend here at Monster Bash, Fred came by the table. Fred Lane, you're with MUFON, right? The yes, sir. Mutual UFO Network? Yes, sir. Well, what is that for people who don't know? Well, MUFON uh, started back in 1966, and it was uh, uh, basically after um, uh, Blue Book folded, and there was a group of people who were still interested in, in investigating UFOs, and they formed the Mutual UFO Network. And now it's a worldwide organization with uh, hundreds of people who, who are investigators. And I happen to be one of the state section directors in Pennsylvania, and I have a group of three investigators underneath me, one of which is my lovely and long-suffering wife. How did you get interested in this kind of research? Actually, for it was a little bit of larceny when I was in the fourth grade in, in Catholic school, St. Anne's in Erie. And uh, we would take, we had a little library in the back of the room. It was a little bookshelf with maybe 50 books. And for some reason, there was a UFO book there. And I picked it up, and I read it, and then I kept taking it out every single week till it got to the end of the year, and I just took it home and kept it. Uh-oh. I think the statute of limitations has probably expired. I don't know. I thought, I don't know. You never know with the, with, with the Catholics. You just don't know. <laughs> now, or what's the connection between 
MUFON and UFO Research and Monster Bash? Well, you know, monsters include, uh, um, you know, the sci-fi part of it, you know, with the alien and um, the blob, you know, it came from outer space and you know, all this. So it does really have a connection. And I, I've been into monsters ever since I saw King Kong when I was a, a, I was a boy. Uh, my parents had gone out. My sister was watching it, and I was up in the bedroom, and I heard it, and I kind of snuck down, and I was sitting on, on, the, on, the, on the stairs behind her. She couldn't see me, and I was watching King Kong, and I was just absolutely blown away. And, and from that point on, I was just a huge monster fan. And, and after that, uh, I went out in my, my local uh, little drugstore they had there, and they had a famous Monsters of Filmland. And I got that, and I hid it under my, my mattress because, you know, my parents were just totally against this. And my mother found it, and I, to this day, I would have been better off if it had been Playboy. I would have been fine, I think. But, but Monster Movie, no, 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 no. <laughs> have you been coming to Monster Bash for a while? Yeah, we've been coming for the last uh, four years. Four years, yeah, and we just fell in love with this. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. The people are great. The people who run it, fantastic. What a job. Because we put on a one-day conference in Erie, and, I mean, we do it. It takes us a year to put everything together to get all the, the, the uh, we give all the speakers uh, local products like wine and chocolate. So it takes us a while to get everything together. And to put this together for four days is just amazing. They do a great job. Yeah. A great job. Yeah, it is. Now, when we were talking about having you on, uh, you said you had a story you wanted to tell. So so I, I'm, I'm all ears, man. I had a chance to talk with Edgar Mitch, who was the sixth man to walk on the moon. And I said to him, I said, Edgar, what went on up there? You know, did you, did, you know, we did, we went, we didn't go. We didn't. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, we went all right. And he said, and we were never alone up there. He said, we were followed from the moment we left Earth's atmosphere to when we landed and they would land and watch us. And he said, Armstrong and Aldrin, he said, you want to know how, how serious this is? He goes, go watch their press conference when they came back from the moon. He said, you'd think they'd be bouncing off the walls. They're the first men to walk on the moon. He says, go watch their press conference. They're mumbling, they're looking down. It's almost like they don't want to talk about it. And to this day, people who run into them, they, won't, they don't want to talk about it. And he said, um, there's structures on the backside of the moon. He said, they airbrushed the pictures. He said, I know, I looked. He said, the moon is so odd. He said, the craters, they're different diameters, but they're the same depth. And he said, that's geologically just not possible. And he said, when we dropped our lander back down onto the moon's surface, it rang like a bell for an hour, like it's hollow somehow. And he said, again, unless uh, there's a hollow portion in there, because it's just not possible. So he said, the next time you look up at the moon, be advised, there's probably somebody up there looking back at you. <laughs> so that's a little something to sleep on tonight. So Fred, I gotta ask you, sure. if I put this on my podcast, do the Men in Black show up and they like shut me down? Is that gonna happen? I don't know, okay. I, I don't know. Are you putting me in danger here? Come on, man. I'm oh. just saying, I place. <laughs> so on my podcast, we have a game that we play called the Classic Five. Okay. It's five questions about classic monster movies. Okay. There are no wrong answers. Okay. I've got a deck of cards here. They've all got the questions on Okay. Them. How do you feel about playing the Classic Five? Oh, absolutely, yeah. sure. All right, card number one. This is from the Hammer Films expansion deck. If you could have been on set during the production of any Hammer film, which one would it be? The Mummy with Christopher Lee. Would have been amazing. Yeah, you weren't in a theater hiding under the seat. <laughs> <laughs> right, card number two. What's your favorite Bela Lugosi role? Oh, it has to be Dracula. Yeah. Absolutely. I, 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 my little granddaughter, she's nine years old, and um, I, we sat and we watched it, okay? And, and she watched Oh, I like that. Okay. 
little later on, she goes home and the dog starts howling. And she goes, children of the night, what music they make. And my daughter fell on the floor. She thought that was hysterical. <laughs> right on. All right. Favorite film, House of Frankenstein or House of Dracula? Oh, wow. I'm going to say the... Uh, I'm going to say The House of Dracula. Okay. You know? The last one? The last one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Card number four. Who else do you think could have or should have played a werewolf? Oh, wow. Um, she would have said Joan Rivers because she had a mouth on her like this big. I mean, you know, geez. Um, I, uh, who else should have played a werewolf? You know, I think um, Mel Gibson... Mel, Mel Gibson definitely probably would have been a great werewolf. Mel Gibson should have played a werewolf. Uh, let me pull out one more card for sure. us here. Oh, okay, here we go. This is a good one, one of my favorites. It's from the Universal Expansion deck of the game. Who do you prefer, Fritz or Igor? Igor. Yeah? Or Igor. Or I- With a hump on either side. <laughs> no, it's Igor. Igor, yes. yeah. yeah. You the take piece. the blonde, I'll take the one in the Tobin. <laughs> The reason why you like Igor better than, or Igor, now you got Igor. <laughs> the power of the power compels you. The right? power of the... Right? <laughs> just, just like him better, or, or is there... I, you know, um, I don't know. There's just something about, especially when uh, um, Lugosi plays, plays it. It just, there's just something very, very creepy about it. It's just, it's just, I don't know, I just like that. You know. So where can people find? I'm assuming there's a MoveOn website, but do you mm-hmm. have like a, a specific website for your chapter or your group? Mm, Pennsylvania, yeah, we have the MoveOnPA.com. Okay, okay. So I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that, so people can find it. Hey, it's been a good time. One of the people that I really wanted to chat with at Monster Bash this year was Gregory William Mank. Mr. Mank, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Very nice to be here. How's the bat treating you? They're treating me wonderfully, and my wife Barbara as well, and we've had a very, very fine time. You've got a new book. New book. I want to hear about the new book. The new book is the the book about the actor Laird Krigar, who played Jack the Ripper in The Lodger in 1944, and who before that year was over uh, had died. Uh, Remarkable young actor. At his peak, he stood six foot three and weighed about 340 pounds. Wow. Unfortunately, he decided that was not the kind of identity that he wanted. He didn't like uh, that particular image. He didn't like the fact that he kept playing psychopaths in movies. He decided to try to change everything, went on a a brutal diet. And um, in December of 1944, he died. He was only 31 years old. Uh, very tragic story, but it also has a lot of uh, a, lot, a lot of positive things in it. A lot of laughs, a lot of uh, good stories about the Hollywood of that era. Uh, he was a very very colorful character, very ambitious young man, incredibly talented, uh, and left behind some terrific performances. I mean, he was he was a had an for such a young actor, he had a remarkable grab bag of of, of acting tricks and 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 so on and so forth that he was able to use. It's just incredible to think what he might have been able to have accomplished had he lived longer. So it was a great pleasure to do the book. And um, one of the people, in fact, that I was able to talk to was his niece, uh, who actually lived with him in Hollywood for over a year uh, when she was about seven and eight years old. And um, 
when he became successful, he sent for her. He said, come out for one summer and I'll spoil you rotten, basically. Oh, wow. And she ended up staying for a, a full year. She swam in Tyrone Powers' pools. She went to school with Shirley Temple. Uh, she had all these, all these, you know, she said she lived like, it was a, like a fairy tale princess life for a year, oh, the year wow. or so, that a year, yes. year and a few months that she lived with her. Uncle Sam, as she called him, his actual first name was Samuel. Um, and so um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, of, of good, colorful, fun information in the story. He was a, a great soul and, and a very witty man and, and a brilliant man. It's just a shame that he kind of went over the edge, you know, late in his life and uh, became obsessed with trying to accomplish, uh, unfortunately killed him. So it was a great pleasure, a privilege to write it and a great pleasure to, to do the research. I know very little about the man. Mm -hmm. And uh, just last year, I finally watched The Lodger for the first time. Uh -huh. and I was just taken by his performance. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I went online. I was like, is there any information about this guy? I'm like, there's not a lot. No. I mean, I saw that you had your book no. coming. So like, no. I was like, no. I guess I got to wait for the book. <laughs> <laughs> and, much, and much of what is out there is unfortunately not really valid because he was <laughs> – one of his uh, little problems was that he tended to fantasize a lot about what reality really was. <laughs> and uh, among other things, uh, he, he talked about the fact that when he was a boy, you know, his father took him to England and put him in a private school. And that while he was there, he worked as a page boy at the Stratford Avon Theater and these sort of things. Uh, his father had died when he was three. Uh, and, um, yeah, and he had, I wrote to the schools he talked about, they had absolutely no record that he had ever attended there. So, uh, he was basically a, a Philadelphia boy who grew up with this incredible dream. Uh, one of the first things he did when he was a little kid was he would run around to the neighbor's houses and knock on the door and they would answer the door and he would say, what kind of face is this? And he would make what, what he would call his trapped rat face or he'd do his Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde face and these sorts of things. And he said, guess what face this is? So he, he was consumed with this idea of being an actor. He just was absolutely obsessed with it and he became uh, absolutely brilliant at it. It's just unfortunate that uh, things went off the rails the way they did um, uh, and that... Um, his last film, in fact, Hangover Square, actually came out after he had died. And if you watch that film, Hangover Square, which is a terrific film, wonderful horror film, uh, maybe more of a melodrama than a horror film, but a, still a very, very uh, disturbing movie uh, in which he plays a schizophrenic, uh, you can actually see the, you know, the weight loss uh, taking place. Uh, you know, the film's shot out of order and his, his weight varies dramatically from one scene to the next because he was on this horrible 500 calorie a day diet, uh, which is nothing. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's dreadful. But so um, he did everything big, uh, including dieting. And unfortunately, he did it too big. And uh, that's what happened. Hopefully, the book will get some attention for him because, as you say, he's largely forgotten. Uh, in fact, even going to the homes where he lived in Philadelphia as part of the research, the house where he, was, house where he lived when he was born, his later childhood homes, uh, nobody there had ever heard of him. I say, you know, you know, you, you know you're living in Laird Kriegar's house. And who? You know, I mean, they, they, they say, who was he? Uh, wow. So, um, I mean, of course, like, it is a long time ago, 1944. It's a lot of years ago that he's, since he's been gone. But I'm glad that, uh, you know, uh, people like uh, you and me remember him. And hopefully, uh, maybe, uh, hopefully this book will get some more attention for him. You've been writing and publishing for a long time. Long now. time. Uh -huh. How many books do you have your name? Do you know? Oh, gee, I'm not sure. It might be, it depends on how you count them as far as co-author books and so on and so forth. But it's probably about uh, maybe 12 or 15. 
Wow. Uh-huh. What is your connection to this type of film? This, this, I guess, I, could you call it a genre? I, I think it was a childhood fascination, uh, which was kind of inexplicable when I was, uh, uh, gee, only seven years old, six years old. Shock Theater came to Baltimore, mm. and something about those old films just absolutely hooked me. And I can, re- I can remember as a little kid talking to my dad in the car who knew movies very well, and I would say, you know, what, what was Boris Karloff really like? Or, you know, were he and Beta Lugosi friends? Or, you know, this sort of thing. <laughs> you know, I, I think that everybody figured that fascination would eventually go away, and it just, it just got worse. <laughs> it, just, it just gets deeper and deeper every year. So, uh, uh, but, you know, it's, it's harmless and it's fun. Yeah, no, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, We have a game that we play on Monster Kid Radio. It's called the Classic Five. Uh-huh. I've got a deck of cards here. There's uh-huh. a whole bunch of questions about monster movies. Uh, what do you prefer better? It's like an icebreaker conversation starter. I'd like uh-huh. to play the game with you real quick. Sure. All right, card number one. What two 1940s monster movies would make a great double feature? Oh, gee. I would say um, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and House of Frankenstein. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good pick. That's, yeah. that's good. I like it. All right. Which movie do you prefer, Greg? The War of the Worlds or When Worlds Collide? If you had to pick one. War of the Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. most people pick, I yeah. think. Uh-huh. But, I mean, uh-huh. I like When Worlds Collide, but it's War of the Worlds. Yeah. War of the Worlds is hard to beat. Okay. Card number three. Bert I. Gordon or Roger Corman? Roger Corman. Yeah? Yeah. I think um, uh, probably, again, because of childhood connection, seeing a lot of his films when I was a kid or a teenager and seeing them in Baltimore at the Vilma Theater and that sort of thing. So okay. sort of affection so, there for, yeah, for Corman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Card number four, Lon Chaney or Lon Chaney Jr.? Oh, gee. You know, surprisingly, I'm going to say Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I know Chaney w- w- was brilliant. The, the, the Chaney, the, the father, uh, was brilliant. But I think uh, Chaney Jr. was very underrated and could do all kinds of things that he generally isn't given credit for being able to do. I think it was probably more of a challenge for him, perhaps, than it was for his father to be able to to uh, work in his, in the career. I think he did very well. I think he's a very underrated actor. So, yeah. I agree. I feel mm-hmm. like there needs to be more attention. Because people talk about, you know, Wolfman or Of mm-hmm. Mice and Men, and then people uh-huh. talk about his, his demons that he had later in his life. But I feel like there's not been a real proper, solid yeah. biographical examination of what he really did, which was amazing. It was. It was. With an incredible body of work, and he worked in all different kind of genres and and all those credits and yeah he was he was pretty remarkable i love the inner sanctum films and i feel like they don't get enough attention no and weird woman in fact is one of my favorites mine too man <laughs> <Yeah>. i absolutely <laughs> adore weird weird woman. woman is terrific weird woman is you know you have, i have to watch that every year that's yeah. just that's yeah. just great I, I think i have watched it every year i just i love that and when i saw it in the store uh it's a dvd box set for like six bucks uh-huh like, are you kidding me this is so undervalued oh, yeah, but you gotta, i gotta get it man. gotta get so it <laughs> i give it away as christmas gifts to people <laughs> like you gotta watch this stuff <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, final card. In your opinion, what classic monster movie could use a novelization? Oh, gee. That's a very good question. I'm going to give a strange answer, probably. I'm going to say Murders in the Zoo. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that, that I think if you could get into sort of the backstory of of uh, how Lionel Atwill meets uh, the Kathleen Burke character and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the the early early days and nights of their marriage and mm-hmm. um, some of his other adventures uh, in the jungle with animals yeah. and what kind of led him to become as incredibly unhinged as he was, uh, that that would be fun. That would be a page turner. 
That would be fun. <laughs> See, for me, I always pick the Amazing Transparent Man because uh-huh. I want to know the backstory of those guys and how yeah. they all got together and what he's holding over everybody, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's awesome. Okay. Well, that's a classic five, man. How do you feel? That would feel great. It's awesome. very nice to be here. And uh, Derek, always nice to see you and to spend some time with you. And I will look forward to seeing you next time. Where can people find you online? Do you have a website? Uh-huh. Just uh, GregoryMank.com. Please visit. And um, I always look forward to hearing from folks. So that would be great. Thanks, man. Okay. Thank you. Game called the Classic Five. Uh, I play it on the Monster Kid Radio podcast every week, every chance I get. I've got a deck of cards here. Each one of these cards has a this or that style question. There's no wrong answers. Uh-huh. It's all about classic monsters. Joseph, and I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce your last name if I try it. Kolakowski. Kolakowski. Joseph, you ready to play the Classic Five? Yes, I am. All right, card number one, Joseph. All right. What one black and white monster movie would you like to see colorized? I don't like to see anything colorized. Yeah, neither do I, but, you know. <laughs> Which one should be colorized? I would like to see some color movies in black and white. Hey, yeah. there you go. That's the right answer. That's the right answer, man. All right, card number two. Colin Clive yeah. or Peter Cushing? I like the older stuff. I like Colin Clive. Colin better. Clive? Yeah. Okay, okay. You know, I love Peter Cushing, but I think yeah. Colin Clive needs more attention. I right. really do. Yeah, and Peter Cushing did a lot more stuff, too. So True, like, true. All right, card number three. What's your favorite Bela Lugosi role? Oh, actually, you know, this is this is not that obscure. I, I guess Dr. Paul Carruthers um, the Devil Bat. The Devil Bat? Yeah, yeah. That one is a lot of fun. I love that movie so much. Yeah. I love that I movie so much. I watch it all the time, and he's, he's very good in that. And it's kind of funny because Carruthers doesn't really sound like a Hungarian name. You know? <laughs> he often played a lot of characters that didn't sound Hungarian right, by name. Right. Yeah. It's the motto. <laughs> and, uh, all right, card number four. What's your favorite Ray Harryhausen creation? What's your favorite Ray Harryhausen? Twenty Miles Swift. You heard the way he said? Say it into the microphone. Twenty Miles Swift. <sighs> right on. That's a cool one, right? Miles to Earth. Yeah, that's mine too. That's a great one. That's a really good movie. Awesome. There we go. Right on. All right, final card. Who never appeared in a Universal Monster film, but you wish they had? Ooh. Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 (laughs) You know, I always say there are no right answers or wrong answers to this, but... I think you nailed it, man. That's Solomon. You got it. You won the game. You won the game. Good High job, five. man. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. Congratulations on your flurry. Thank you. And thanks for listening to the show and all oh, your support, yeah. man. Really appreciate it. Now, you told me you have a YouTube channel. Yeah, I have a YouTube channel, so you could just look up Joseph Kolakowski, K-O-L-A-K-O-W-S-K-I. I mean, I'm a rabbi. It's a lot of religious stuff, mm-hmm. too, but I do talk about monster movies. I talk current events. I talk about whatever's on my mind. Okay. A lot of... Sometimes pop culture. Sometimes I just sing random. Yeah, <laughs> which okay. I'm not very good at singing. But uh, <laughs> sometimes I just make up the words when I don't know the words. <laughs> well, I like to try to promote, you know, the fellow monster kids, and I, and yeah. I know you've listened to the show a couple of times, so I'll make sure there's you a link. Want to play? <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Yeah. I want people to be able to, okay. you know, support each other. You know, so yeah, awesome. I appreciate it, man. Thank that was you. fun. Yeah, it was. Thank right. you. Have a good Anyone one, else want to play? Mommy, you want to play? play? Yeah, right on. She's a voiceover. She's a singer. Yeah, are I, you? I was okay. a professional singer. Okay, and so Mrs. Uh, Kolkowski. Yeah, my name's Millie. Millie. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. She sang in Carnegie Hall. Okay, but that's not that big of a deal. Won a Grammy. I was on a recording that won, won a Grammy. <laughs> really? I yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Well, congrats. Thanks. I didn't get the Grammy. My conductor got it, but. But it that's was still cool. that's still yeah. something. That's still something. All right. So you want to play the classic five? I would love to play the classic five. All right. Here we go. So uh, let's see. Card number one. Who do you prefer, Vincent Price or Boris Karloff? Oh my goodness! It's so splitting hairs. We're gonna go with preference. Mm. This one wants Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. totally saying Vincent Price in my ear. Um, I'm going to go with Karloff. Yeah? Yeah. That's a really tough one for me, but I'm going to go with Karloff. Well, I, they're both great. They're both amazing and, and good friends. Yeah, and when they're in a movie together, it's even better. It's so. the best. There you go. That's a win. <laughs> Card number two. Who else could have or should have played a mad scientist? You know, I would have loved to see a female mad scientist, like a Elsa Lanchester mad scientist Ooh. i think she would have killed it um Ooh, yeah yeah i'm gonna go with that oh, wow. <laughs> all right all right it's card number three this is actually a monster bash exclusive card sweet I'm how ready. many times have you been to monster bash i think i think this is five this is number five yeah and we were here in heart a few times um that we couldn't make it because of you know work obligations or other things uh holidays and that sort of stuff but five okay and hope to be at many many more (laughs) yeah we're thinking coming back in october yeah we can't like it'll be our first october one yeah because it's always like during our holidays we can never come during october this one's after the holidays we're like yes right on right on all right card number four dr pretorius from bride of frankenstein Mm -hmm. Or Dr. Neiman from House of Frankenstein? I'm going to go with Pretorius. Yeah? That's not even a question for me. Yep, straight up. He's. But you picked Karloff last time. Yeah, I, I know. Did. That's what I was wondering. So I know. I know. But, like, it's not about um, the acting for me. I think the character, he's, he's, he's more subtly evil. Yeah. Like, you kind of sympathize with him a little bit, but he's, like, real. Also, you know. I don't know. That's just my thought. The character, I think, appeals to me a little bit more. I always wish there was more Pretorius out there. You know, I, yeah. I, I, he only showed up in the one movie, but he makes such an impression. Yeah. I want I know. More. He's amazing. I want more. And I think that um, it would have made a cool spinoff movie. Like, Ooh, yeah. you know, like Pretorius goes to the zoo or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or Pretorius backstory. Yeah, I want to know what got him there, you know, or, or, right. or his relationship with Frankie. Godzilla, yeah. <laughs> or Godzilla, you know. Godzilla could be there too. All right, One more final card. Who's your favorite actor to play the Phantom of the Opera? Oh my goodness! Wow, 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 wow! That's so so difficult. Um, so if it's Claude Rains versus Cheney, I'm gonna have to go with Cheney. Okay. Um, he basically set the standard for the phantoms that we know. That's true. That's true. I don't know what else to say about that. I, I like Ch- Cheney's the standard. I mean, he's, yeah, he's the standard. Yeah. I think Herbert Lom, the Hammer film version, yeah, is a is also is really so. a very understated and yeah. um, I don't know, like a human performance. You're right. Yeah. I, but no, Cheney. I, I mean, but Cheney's a classic, so Cheney's I got to go with that. All right, man. Well, that was the classic five. Thank Yay. you for playing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. <laughs> so I got the whole family here. What are you guys' names? What's your name? Rosalind. 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 Faith. Faith. What's your name? Sally. Sally. And what's your name? Huh? Solomon. Solomon? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you guys like classic monster movies? Classic movies? Yeah. I kept hearing you guys talk about Godzilla. Are you big fans of Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> so you can't just clap if you want to play the game. Yes. Okay. 
What is your favorite Godzilla movie? Godzilla vs. Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> is that what everybody likes, or do you guys have other ones? Yeah, you can each say your own. Favorite. You can each say your own. Godzilla versus King Kong. King Kong Ooh. Oh, yeah. That was the very first one I watched. That was, yeah, that's, the, that's what hooked me. That's what hooked me. The first me. one I saw was, one. was Godzilla vs. Megalon. I taped it off Channel 5, that's like, late at night. Do you have a favorite Godzilla movie? Godzilla's Revenge. Godzilla's Revenge? Okay, okay. Do you have one, Rosal? Godzilla vs. Gigan. Godzilla vs. Gigan. Gigan's pretty cool. Gigan's pretty cool. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Do you want to do another one? Yes. Okay. Do you like King Kong or Son of Kong better? King Kong. King Kong? King Kong. King Kong. What about you, Solomon? What about you? Son of Kong? Son of Kong? Okay. Freeze. King, King Kong or Son of Kong? King Kong? You want to do another one? Frankenstein. Okay. <laughs> what was your favorite movie that you've seen at Monster Bash? Anytime or, t- or this time? Anytime. Anytime. What's your favorite movie you saw at Monster Bash? The Mam Edition. Did you see it last night? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really cool one with Vincent Price. Ghost of Frankenstein. When <laughs> what was your favorite movie? You want to tell them what movie is your favorite you saw at Monster Bash? <laughs> I think The Bowery Boys. The Bowery Boys. Those are pretty cool. Those are pretty funny. Okay. Thanks All for right. playing, Thank guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Mark, how you doing, man? And, and I always mispronounce your last name when I try to say it. It's Matsky. Matsky. Yeah. Formally, well, not really formally, because it's not gone, but Monsterland, Ohio. Correct. And you're doing a couple of other things now, too, right? Yes. I have uh, fallen in with a group called Small Town Monsters. It's a... Uh, Buddy, Seth Breedlove and I, we used to do a podcast called Sass What, a show about Bigfoot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when Seth left the show to go uh, Small Town Monsters full time, he sort of bequeathed the show to my son and me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we pushed that forward for about 50 episodes and then uh, set that one aside too, so that we could work more full time on the films. Yeah. Uh, my son does production assistance, and I've actually written and narrated um one of the films is called invasion on chestnut ridge which tells the story of weird happenings actually just southeast of pittsburgh here okay and i'm co-writing a new film coming out in october called uh, bray road beast which is based on the wolfman sightings in wisconsin wow that have been documented by an author named linda godfrey okay so uh, lots is going on right now in that in that realm. It's really fun. Now, are these kind of documentaries, but with some? Are there reenactments as well? Yeah. Or? At first, Small Town Monsters kind of shied away from the uh, doing any recreations of any sort. Although we did contract with some artists that I was aware of through other channels, mm-hmm. so that there was at least some visual representation of what was being talked about. But right. now we've gotten into a a place where we are trying to do some recreations, most especially in the last film that uh, just came out called The Flatwoods Monster. Okay. Um, Actually, Seth's brother-in-law built a 12-foot-tall metal Flatwoods creature (laughs) that smoke came out of and its eyes lit up, and it was really quite a production. I mean, this thing was... 
it needed a forklift to put it together because it was all metal. It was really (laughs) built in their backyard and it's this huge monstrosity. And, you know, it really gives you a sense of what some of these films are like because you see the thing in the film for probably a grand total of 40 seconds. Okay. But it represented weeks and weeks of work for him to put that together Mm -hmm. and to make it viable to see on screen. So it it really is eye-opening. Well, and just I know this is an audio podcast, but visually I'm sitting here listening to you talk about it and you're just grinning from ear to ear, man. It must be something you love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I grew up, it was um, kind of my first exposure to monster movies in general was living in the Detroit area. We were fortunate to have our own horror host on TV. And we, for whatever reason, we were one of the markets that would get some of these first-run Godzilla films, like Godzilla... It went through a couple iterations. It was Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster. Well, the Bionic Man people stepped in and said, you can't call it that. Uh-huh. So it became Cosmic Monster, became Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. I saw that, you know, within a year of seeing Star Wars in theaters, I was seeing that in theaters with my dad. And then Godzilla on Monster Island which is the one where you have the you know the Godzilla that is a stationary figure mm-hmm. it's supposed to be this kids land place and yeah. Gigan and King Ghidra show up that was first run for me wow so it was just a magical time to be a kid because you had I was watching Mighty Joe Young and oh. and Ultraman on television. I love Ultraman in the Detroit so much. area. Yeah, <laughs> and then seeing those films in the theater. I mean, it sort of set the template for me for everything else I would ever do in der- in terms of genre work and yeah. so forth. And then, of course, you know, Bigfoot and stuff. Bigfoot and Wild Boy was sort of my exposure oh, to Bigfoot. Wow. And I I saw that on the Sid and Marty Croft Saturday morning. So I went to the library and started researching Bigfoot Mm -hmm. and uh, there was a wave of stuff to get into at that time and of course then you know to come here to Monster Bash and to meet Stan Gordon who I've heard about for years and years and then to find out he just he loves talking to people about Bigfoot and UFOs and all the rest of that right this is just a great place to be. I actually, you mentioned the Godzilla films, and that's how I discovered you, you guys. Yeah. Was uh, through the Kaiju cast. I think he mentioned you guys. Kyle's a friend, and uh, I think he mentioned you guys. And then I popped over and started listening to you guys and your coverage of G Fest and yeah. and uh, your son's interview with Victoria Price, who's one of my favorite ladies. You know, it's yes. just so that's how I found you guys. So I'm glad you brought up Godzilla because I wanted to because I love me some Godzilla, man. Yeah. So right on, awesome. right on. So we have a game that we play on Monster Kid Radio called the Classic Five. Uh, we've got a bunch of cards here, a bunch of questions okay. about classic monster movies. Yeah. No wrong answers. <laughs> what do you think? You want to play? Yeah, definitely. All right, card number one. What, do you, what movie do you prefer, Tarantula or The Deadly Mantis? I will say Deadly Mantis. Really? Yes. I've gotten so many Deadly Mantis answers. I'm really surprised because Tarantula is so great. Tarantula is awesome. I think I enjoy Deadly Mantis because it doesn't take itself really seriously. That's one of the things yeah. that I enjoy about it is there's that whole subplot, you know, with the military people are so goofy in that movie. I yeah. love that. And that's one that I've seen at G-Fest on the big screen in the Pickwick Theater. I find myself oh. having a soft spot for those films yeah. that I've gotten to see in the way that they were intended to yeah. be seen. Right so, on, man. Yeah. 
Card number two. What is your favorite classic monster movie sequel? Wow. I would have to say Revenge of the Creature. My man. <laughs> My man. <laughs> I mean, that's the first one that pops into my head. I love those. I love the trilogy. So good. Any of those. And the fact that I found out just this week before the show that um, they're all coming out on Blu-ray. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm psyched. Yeah. I'm psyched for that. Yeah. Creature's my favorite film. So, yeah, anytime yeah. somebody mentions, like, you win, you know? <laughs> I, you know one of my, my favorite scenes of all time comes... In that film where the creature whips that guy against the tree. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I just love that. I, I can't explain it, but it's, an, it's one of my favorite scenes ever. All right, card number three. Son of Kong or Son of Godzilla? Oh. <laughs> that's, that's like asking to choose between kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> son of Godzilla. Yeah? Yeah, it would it'd have to be Son of Godzilla. You know, a lot of people are Minya haters, and I, I am not one of those people. The actors in that movie are incredible. When you know the stock Toho players, you know, you've got yeah. guys like Akira Kubo, who parachutes down to the island, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, the, I can't think of his name right now, but the lead actor in, in Mothra is also in that film as the lead scientist who's conducting... I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I, can't, I can't. Yeah, the names are Shame not. Shame on I'm me not, for not having that. But I don't know. I think still to this day, the the final scene in that where you know the the freeze bomb works and it starts <laughs> to snow and Godzilla wraps Minya in the hug and they start mm-hmm. to go into hibernation. I mean, I get chills from that. <laughs> unrepentantly. So I love that. that that's but awesome. Son of Kong, I think, is vastly overrated. Overrated? Uh, oh, underrated. Underrated. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I, it is underrated. I mean, it, it follows an impossible movie to follow. Yeah. But the fact that Robert Armstrong is in it. Right. Is still. I love Carl Denham. Yeah. Big time. Um, it's great. If it came out as its own film, you know, like. Ooh. The little white gorilla on the island. I yeah. think it would have a lot better reputation. That's a good point. Yeah, it's got a lot to live up to. You're right. It is. Okay. All right. Card number four. Who's your favorite horror host? Wow. I um. I would have to say Son of Ghoul because I have met him here. Okay. <laughs> and you know he's still available in my area. Okay. So that's that's really cool. You know, I for the life of me, I can't remember the horror host from the Detroit area that I grew up watching. Hmm. So I, that's a hard one for me to answer. Okay. Well, Son of Ghoul is cool, though. I mean, yeah. that, that's a good answer. Son of Ghoul okay. is pretty great. Final card, final question. Other than Abbott and Costello, what other comedy team should have met some monsters? I would love to have seen the Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Yes! In, like, yes. a dedicated Meet the Monsters movie would yes. have been a gas. Uh-huh. I mean, it was here at Monster Bash that I saw Bob Hope in, um, has Ghost in the title. Ghost Breakers? Ghost Breakers, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And I, I saw that here. I didn't even really, I wasn't that conscious of the film. And, you know, it's like a lot of those 40s yeah. ghost movies where, you know, it ends up being the mobster. Yeah, it's, it's like not that. really a ghost. It's, right. Yeah, it's, you know. Noble Johnson's in that, though. Yeah. And he's sort of stalking around in, as a zombie, which is really cool. 
But I think they would have been a, a hoot. I man, it would have been awesome. Yeah. Like, a, like a Road Two movie, you know, just right. yeah, Road to Transylvania or something. Yeah, oh, that would have yeah. been fun, man. Would have been, been awesome. Fun. So where can people find the stuff that you're doing online? Okay, the the big place to go would be smalltownmonsters.com. All the films are on there. If you go on YouTube and search for Small Town Monsters, there's also uh, called case files okay it's like seven or eight minute episodes that really give you a sense of what the films are like if you're not sure if you want to go all in on the documentaries themselves this is where we we put footage of interviews that we've done that for whatever reason didn't make it into the film but were still really compelling and it gives you a sense of the visual style and Mm -hmm. the documentary stories that we we want to tell Okay. So I would send people there as well. But it's smalltownmonsters.com. And the podcasts are still out there as well. Right. Saswhat.podbean.com is the best place to go for that. And monsterlandohio.blogspot.com has some of the stuff that I've written as well as hosting the podcast. Mm-hmm. So. When I saw Andy yesterday, he said, you guys aren't done podcasting. There might be something coming. He can't talk about it, he said, but I'm... You know, I'd love to have you back in the potosphere if you have the time. Oh, and, yeah. and I'd love I to have you back. I would love to be back. I really yeah. would. It, it became a passion of mine. And I think that the type of thing that we're looking at doing, perhaps, would be, rather than focus in on one genre subject, it would be a true catch-all. Okay. You know, uh, just whatever we were happen to be in at the moment. And whatever else, whether other form it takes, I don't know where okay. that's going to go. But... Well, I wish yeah. you the best, man. I, Thank you. And please keep me posted because I, you yeah. know, I, I loved what you guys were doing, um, and it was just—it's cool to listen like the earlier episodes and the progression, and you know, Andy growing up and your guys' relationship. It's just awesome. Thank you. You know, so much. you don't get a lot of that in genre fandom, at least out there like that. So it's—it meant a lot to me. I, I like the show a lot. So. Uh, that means a lot. Thank you for that. And it's—it's it's a real thrill to be talking to you right now, <laughs> honestly, because. What I love shows like Monster Bash and what Monster Kid Radio does is it puts you onto things that you haven't heard of before. Mm-hmm. Like Return of the Vampire, I owe that to your show. Oh yeah? Getting interested in, in actually getting my hands on a copy and yeah. seeing that movie. I'm so glad that I did. Oh good, good. And so keep doing what you're doing too. Oh, of course. Because it, yeah. it not only does it celebrate the movies that a lot of people have seen and enjoyed. But it gives you a sense of um, there's still things out there from an era that I really like that I haven't really been informed about. And it's it's just cool to have that back and forth. Well, thanks, man. So, I appreciate yeah, it. absolutely. Thanks for listening. Yeah, you, you got it. She was in one of my absolute most favorite films, and now she's at my favorite convention. Yanina Faye, how's Monster Bash treating you? I'm having a wonderful time. I think this is probably one of the nicest uh, conventions I've been to. Yeah? Yeah, everybody's been so friendly and so kind. It's been, it's been wonderful. Is this the first time you've been to Monster Bash? Yes, it is. Yeah? Yeah. In fact, it's only the second time I've been to America. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And people were saying to me, well, why haven't you ever done, you know, you're, you've been in the early hammers. Well, you know, why have you never been to... And I said, because nobody ever asked me. Really? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Do they not know who you are? I mean, come on. Well, I don't know. I mean, um, Caroline Munro, who's a great friend, she said to me one day, well, you know, you've, you've done conventions in England. Why haven't you done any in America? I said, nobody's ever asked me to go. She said, well, we'll have to sort that out. <laughs> I could hear her saying that. I totally hear her saying that. Yeah. But she has, a, she has a lady who looks after her called Jane. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she spoke to Jane, and Jane said, oh, Really? Well, we know I must give you Nina a ring. And that's how it came about. So, so you're going to keep coming back now? If they keep asking you, can you keep coming? Well, I was saying, you know, I've had such a good time. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if I was asked, I would, I would come. But it's a, it's a long way, and you know, you don't want people to get bored with you, do you? Well, I wouldn't want anybody to get bored. It's the same old things. Oh, not that girl again. Oh, no. <laughs> so, for listeners who don't know, which Hammer films were you involved with? Right, so the first Hammer film I did was the, the one that everybody seems to love and think was the best one was the, yeah, I think you call it the horror of Dracula. Right, we can call it Dracula here, you know, we, can, we can call it Dracula. So, um, and I, I did that, that was probably the second movie I did, I was oh, wow. 10, 1958. Wow. And I did that with Peter Cushing and Melissa Stribling, Michael Goff, so that was my first Hammer wow. movie. And then I was in um, Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll, okay. Hands of Orlack, and then a lesser-known Hammer movie um, called Never Take Sweets from a Stranger. It's one of those suspense just, ones, right? Yeah. Well, it was Hammer's way of trying to move away from gory horror, and they wanted to do a more dramatic kind of film. Uh, so they uh, they made this film called, I think you call it here, Never Take Candy from a Stranger. Mm-hmm. But it got very limited release because of its uh, content. Yeah. But it is a marvellous film, and they've just re-released it on Blu-ray mm-hmm. and I advise anybody who's a Hammer fan to see it because it's a really good movie got some really good people in it did you prefer appearing in the movies with the contemporary setting or the more gothic fairy tale type films uh, I've had fun in both mm-hmm. um, I think as a as a child you know you go along with the flow you go with the flow and what you're asked to do mm-hmm. you do it I mean I was the, the only I, I, later on in life there were certain films that I was asked would I do and for reasons, you know, well, I didn't want to do them. Mm-hmm. But earlier on, um, being a child, it was a, you know, let's do some really nice, exciting, right. adventure-type things. <laughs> Here in the U.S., it was like the studio system, you were under contract, and you just kind of did what you did. But I don't know much about the British film industry at that time. Was it a contract thing, or did you have to go and audition every time? You could have been under contract, but I think that was a bit earlier. That's, I think yeah. by the time we got to 1958, I wasn't contracted. Everything I did okay. was um, auditioned, or people knew what I'd done, and I was asked to be in them. I think with, with Hammer, certainly, because I'd done one, I think most people, if you talk to them about Hammer, it was because they knew you. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, and if they wanted a child actor, they would call me. In Dracula, I mean, the other icon of that, obviously, is Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you had any scenes with him. It was mostly with, with, with uh, Mr. Cushing. Uh, did you have any interactions with Lee? And how would no. you compare it? None at all. No. Wow. I think I saw him once floating around in his black cloak. Oh, wow. And now, I don't know whether that was deliberate because I was only 10 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought maybe they thought, you know, we'll just better keep him away. Or whether that was just because I didn't have any scenes with him. Okay. He wasn't involved with me, so I didn't meet up with him. Because normally what you did was you went to the you went to the studio, you got yourself ready, and I had a chaperone. Mm-hmm. And they would get you ready, and you would appear in your scenes and go home. No, so, so, as I say, I don't know whether it was deliberate um, or not. I only know that when I was doing my scenes with Peter Cushing, there's, um, the crypt is to the right. Uh, uh, as you look at it, it would have been to the left. 
Um, but I was never allowed to go over there. He said, you know, you, when I put you down on the step, you know, you don't want you to be fine. You just sit there. And I'm, so, um, yeah, and it wasn't until March later on, because in those days, if you were a child, you could, in England, I don't know, here I was surprised that you could, a lot of people were saying, oh, we, you know, we, we saw these films when we were six. But if it had an X certificate, you weren't allowed to see them. So I didn't see them until I was sort of 16, 17. Oh, wow. Much later, some of them, because in those days, there were no videos. There were no DVDs. Right. So once the film had been and gone, it had been and gone. And so I had to wait until much later on when the films came out on video and then subsequently on DVDs to actually be able to see them. You didn't see your own films no. until you are much older. No. What was that like to see a movie that you made, I guess, 10, 15 years ago, or however long it was, for the first time? Did it bring back memories, or did you remember it differently? Uh, or? Oh, it brought back memories, yeah. Um, but it was like looking at somebody else. It's like looking at somebody else. Wow. You know, because... 10, 15 years, I mean now, it's 50 years, 60 years later, I look back and I th- I do actually think, she was quite a good little actress, thank you. <laughs> but it's not looking at myself, you know, yeah. I think I would be objective if I looked now and thought, well, you were a bit rubbish. <laughs> but no, I think, you know, especially things like Never Takes Weeks from Stranger and Day of the Triffids, which I did in 62, mm-hmm. with the wonderful Howard Keel. Yeah. Yeah, hero worship there. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, oh, yes. Um, you have a lot of interactions with him? Most of the ladies of that time loved him from Oklahoma and Seven Brides from Seven Brothers, you know. And he came to England, and I thought, wow, I'm working with an American movie star. This is fantastic. And he was charming. He was really charming, yeah. You, you didn't stay in the business. Yeah, you I did. Did. Oh, you did stay in the business. Oh, yeah. And are you currently still doing stuff now? No, no, no. I went on, I went on, I went, I did, because in those days, as I say, you, when you were. Uh, under 12 you could do films after 12 you could do theatre and television so I went on to do television and theatre and then when I was 15 and I was I was still at school and I didn't know what I wanted I, I mean I wanted to carry on acting and I had been in a play called The Miracle Worker about the life of Helen Keller. Yeah, okay. Patty Duke played it here in the film. I wanted to do it desperately. Oh, no. Oh, I didn't get that. Um, because it was an American film, they used an American artist, yeah. obviously. But I was doing that play, and Sir Laurence Olivier came to see me in The Miracle Worker. And he tapped on the door, and he said, um, uh, you won't know me, he said, but my name is Laurence Olivier, and this is my wife, Vivian Lee. I was very fortunate. And then four years later, so I was 12, when I was 15, I got a call from, we have a, a national theatre in England. Yeah. And I had a call to, from my agent to say, you have to go and audition for Sir Lawrence Olivier because he's doing some plays at the National Theatre. And I did um, an Arthur Miller play called The Crucible. Okay. And then I stayed there with him under his wing for four years. So that was my sort of growing up in the theatre. And wow. we went everywhere. I played his daughter in a film called The Dance of Death which is now on, um, I think they say you can get it on Amazon now okay. as a download. Um, yeah, no, and I went on, and then from then I did um, other plays and other telly. And wow. Other I did Little Women, you know, class, the classic. Oh, Little wow. Women. Yeah, I played Amy, you know, the one that stamps her feet, wants to get her own way all the time. <laughs> that one, yeah. That's so, yeah, fantastic. no, I went on working until I was um, late 40s, early 50s. Oh, wow, okay. Has there ever been a desire to try to go back again at this point? A lot of people say that to me, but I think I was so fortunate that I had the very best of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I've got children, and I've got grandchildren, and it would be difficult. Okay. I think had I been offered the things that I 
thought would be right and stretch me, I would have done. I'd love to be Judy Dench, actually. <laughs> I'd like to play all the things that she does. Yeah. On, the, on the plane over, I was watching her in Victoria and Abdul, and I thought, I'd love to be able to play that. I'd love that. <laughs> you know, I was unfortunately never offered things like that. Had I been offered those, I probably would still do it. But I wasn't. So I thought, no, you know, I'll, I'll just... That's it. I've had my I've had my time, and I've had the best of times. Well, I appreciate you spending some of your time with me oh, and Monster you. Bash. Um, you. you were in so many of the or those Hammer movies and Day of the Triffids. I mean, they're a big part of my own personal mythology. I, they, they are so iconic, and you were part of that. So thank you so much. No, well, I have again. I have had a really good time here, and uh, everybody's been so appreciative, and I've enjoyed being here tremendously. So I hope one day I come back. <laughs> thank you. One of the big pushes here at Monster Bash has been the Bowery Boys. And we've had a lot of Bowery Boys movies shown. We've had relatives of the Bowery Boys. We've got Leonard Getz here, who is the author of From Broadway to the Bowery. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm having a great time. Now, <laughs> what is your connection to the Bowery Boys? Well, I wrote the book, as you mentioned, From Broadway to the Bowery. I watched them when I was a kid, growing up in the 60s in Queens and fell in love with these kids just like any other kid in, in the 60s in, in New York. And um, when I graduated college, I said, you know, there's no book on the Barry Boys, at least there wasn't at that time, and uh, I'm just the one to write it. <laughs> so that's my connection, just the love of the, of the Barry Boys. And then when I finally, looked, finally did come out, um, well, actually before it came out, um, I, when I was writing it and when I was researching it, that's like I got in contact with all the sons and the daughters of the Dead End Kids, mm -hmm. Gorsi Jr., uh, Brandy Gorsi, uh, spoke with Gabe Dell Jr., Bobby Jordan Jr., um, Hunts Hall's son, Reverend Gary Hall, I met with him, um, Billy Hap, didn't have any kids, but I met with his nephew and, uh, and niece. So it's been a great experience and great connecting with with these people. They've always been they've they've always been very cooperative and very happy to to see the book come out. What was the first Bowery Boys movie you saw? Do you know? Do you remember? Wow, the first one I saw. No, I can't say I remember which one. <laughs> I can't say I remember which one it was. No. Have you seen them all at this point? Oh yes, I've seen yeah. them all. I've seen them all. But the thing is, and I was confused about this too when I was a kid. I'd see the Barry Boys on TV, and then one day I'm watching another movie with Leo Gorsi and Hans Hall, and it doesn't really look like the Barry Boys, and say, so, well, these are these side kids, and um, you know, the question is, well, why are, they, why are they the Barry Boys one day and the East Side Kids the next day, and so what is it all about? Well, I guess one reason I wrote the book is to figure it all out. <laughs> so I finally did, and I realized, of course, that it all started out with a play, mm -hmm. started out with a play, called Dead End, written by Sidney Kingsley, who was a Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright. He wrote the play Dead End. It was on, it's on Broadway for two years. Started in 1934 to 35, um, and then it ran for two years on Broadway, and then it went and then it toured. Boston, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and the White House, in the White House. Wow. In fact, Eleanor Roosevelt, when she uh, saw the play, uh, was very inspired about it and pushed for the Wagner Act which um, made sure that uh, depressed areas in New York were clean and healthy. So it had, had a very social dynamic. 
Um, and that was his point, really. That was really his point. And that was that was his Kingdom's point. <laughs> so then, to that, and then um, Samuel Goldwyn, he bought the picture rights. Same kids who were in the play, Leo Gorsi, Hans Hall, all of them. They went to Hollywood. They were in the in the movie with Humphrey Bogart, and that movie was up for four Academy Awards. Didn't win any, and the kids were so rambunctious that they weren't allowed to attend the Academy Awards. <laughs> I, I've heard stories uh, when they were over at Warner Brothers that they were just oh t- terrors. <laughs> they were terrors. They were terrors. They were ripping through sets. They raised you know they ran up phone bills. And they drove cars to Tijuana, got into a lot of accidents, got a lot of, a lot of parking tickets, not parking tickets, driving tickets, I should say, <laughs> driving tickets. Yeah, they weren't the most pleasant, uh, easygoing people to, to deal with. They, they were just, they were, um, as you say, you know, they were making use of this, of this, of this, of this time period. You know, they were taking advantage of, uh, of this time of life and, yeah. and, the, and the opportunity that, uh, I guess, that fame gave them. Yeah. I guess we'd all do the same thing, wouldn't we? <laughs> so they started as the Dead End Kids. Exactly. And then was it Bower Boys next? So they started as the Dead End Kids. They made six movies with uh, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And then when those when those contracts ended, uh, Billy Halp went to Universal Studios and did Little Tough Guys. And Leo Gorsi went to Monogram Pictures. You know, that's a Harvey Grove studio. And they did the Side Kids. And so they were the leaders of those two groups. And the other kids went back and forth between Little Tough Guys and uh, any side kids. Uh, Bernard Punsley only did a Little Tough Guys, and the others went back and forth. And then those films uh, ran through the mid-40s, and then they ended. And then Hunts Hall and, um, and Dale Gorsi got together with a fellow named Jan Grippo, who was a producer, and they created the Barry Boys. Okay. And so they made... Uh, 48 Barry Boy movies. Wow. So altogether made 92 movies of Canton Mall, 92 movies over a period of 23 years. Wow. And my book covers them all. I, I wrote reviews of every single one, history of the whole evolution, uh, bios of all the major characters, and uh, somebody actually is coming out with a, with a documentary. And I'm not sure when it's coming out, but uh, they interviewed me for the documentary. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to that when that's going to happen. Uh, so, um, and the and book has like 200 pictures and has five stars on Amazon. Well, hey, that's something, <laughs> so man. That's, a, that's something. That's a, that was a nice, nice thing to, to see. Now, because this is Monster Bash, I have to ask, there were like two, three where, that had like a monster scary component. Which oh, ones yeah. were those? Well, actually, there was actually another one that I didn't show today. There was, a, there was one called Boys in the City. Okay. That also was a, was a creepy movie, too. And that was a scary movie. So there's Boys in the City. And then there was uh, Spooks Run Wild, mm-hmm. which I had here. Ghosts on the Loose, that also had Bella Ghost, who's in both those films. Both mm-hmm. Ghosts on the Loose and Spooks Run Wild. And the Barry Boys had, um, we had the Masterminds here today, or this weekend. And we did Barry Boys Meet the Monsters. But there was also uh, some other Ghost Chasers and Spook Busters. They did, some, they did, well, they did a lot more than they just did, a couple. So they, they did a lot more. And when Leo Gorsi actually, when he quit the series, they did another... Um, Scoop, I think it was Ghost Chasers with um, Stanley Clemens took um, Leo Gorsi's place. They did another scary movie with you know, with, with you know, after Gorsi left. So they must have done. If you ask me, how many? How many? Do we, like two, three psych kids, three, four, five. So maybe we're talking about maybe seven all together. Wow. Over the course of uh, between East Side Kids and Barry Boys, I, I can't think of any. 
I think, can't think of many little tough guy films that were scary. Or it had to do with monsters. I don't think so. Those just the, it was those. So I want to review the name of the book again so people can find it. From Broadway to the Bowery. It's by Leonard Getz. The last name is spelled G-E-T-Z. I will make sure there's a link to the... I'm, Amazon, I suppose, is the best place to pick it up, right? I, you can get it Amazon. You can also email me okay. at lengetz at yahoo.com. Okay. Or you can uh, do it over PayPal, and I can give you an autographed copy. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that would be, that'd be that's an incentive to do it, wow. to do it that way. Well, that's awesome. Thanks right. for doing this. Good luck with the book. Well, thank you very I wish much. You the best. And thank you for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. This is the man who has continued the legacy of Scary Monsters magazine. He is a Rondo Award winner this year. He won the award for Best Magazine, Don Smiraldi. How are you doing, sir? Good. Hi, Derek. Glad to be here. <laughs> what do you think of the show so far, man? Oh, it's great. I mean, there's a reason why uh, Ron and his team have won uh, Best Convention with the Rondo Awards for so many years. You know, so it's it's a testament just to how the the family atmosphere. There's no other show like it. Yeah, there may be uh, more people like at a San Diego Comic Con, hundreds of thousands of people, but there's a lot lost in that. And uh, Ron really knows how to put on everything professionally, and just the movie selection and it's it's classic horror all the way. That's what we thrive on, man. That's that's our thing. You go to Comic Con or any other convention, and you're hard pressed to find you know a lot of classic stuff. And and coming here, it's like coming home. Absolutely, especially I've been to San Diego Comic Con so many times because I live in that area. And, you know, you're really hard-pressed to find any classic monsters stuff there. Mm-hmm. There really isn't. Yeah, it's, it's traditional uh, superhero comics, but it's mostly pop culture and all the current movies that they stress mm-hmm. there now. How long have you been coming to Monster Bash? This is my third one, I believe. I went to uh, the Frankenstein Festival, movie festival, in Canton. So that was really good because, you know, it was close to home as well. So uh, a, a lot of people have been going to Monster Bash every single year. So, you know, there's definitely family feeling for them. So I'm, I'm starting to ease into that. You know, I'm kind of an outsider still in a way. You know, Dennis Druck Tennis has kind of been a legend with Scary Monsters for so many years. But we're doing our best to keep it going. Yeah, and I told you in there earlier when I didn't have the microphone with me, Scary Monsters was great. And you've taken that and made it, like, the greatest. I mean, nothing against Dennis, but the magazine has evolved with you guys taking over. How did that happen? I know we talked briefly in there, but I want to hear it uh, for, the, for the listeners. How did you get involved with taking over Scary Monsters? It's interesting. We advertised, and I can't quite remember which issue it was of Scary Monsters, but we knew Dennis business-wise. For quite some time, I want to say it was maybe in the mid-60s or so of his issues uh, that we uh, advertised. So over time, you know, through the grapevine, you, you have some of the same customers and fans. And we were talking to some people on the phone and on email that Dennis had was considering retiring, ending with 100 you know, for the last several issues, he was on his onward to 100. That was his big goal, similar to how Forey Ackerman did that kind of thing. And so when uh, we heard about that, I knew I was going to be retiring soon from the Postal Service after 34 years. So I said to him on email, I just said, hey, you know, it, we might be interested. I've always in the back of my mind wanted to do a monster magazine of some type. I never thought I would. And he said, you know, well, I'm not really 
quite ready. I'm kind of not really certain I'm going to end this thing, you know. So a couple months later, I guess it was, he wrote back and he said, you know, I never really considered you guys as even a potential uh, couple to take it over, me and my wife, Vicky. So sure enough, one thing led to another, a lot of conversation back and forth. I even kind of decided maybe not to do it because our older son, Caleb, we were sitting around the computer and we watched Dennis do his Rondo acceptance speech and he's playing his guitar and all this and my son turns to me and says, you know, this is his baby. You know, how, how can you really keep that going in the same way he did? And, you know, we're looking at each other and we're thinking, he's right. So, so I wrote back to Dennis and I said, I don't think we can do this, you know. But he convinced me that, you know, he felt our hearts were in the right place. And uh, here we are. And that was January of 2016 or so uh, when his last issue came out. And we were scrambling. We wanted to keep the same schedule. Uh, we missed doing Monster Memories because that's usually in March. So our first issue was 101. And uh, we've been going on from there. We're, we're working on 110 right now, our fall issue. Mm-hmm. Was this your first foray into publishing? Yes. Uh, my wife and I, we met in Washington, D.C. We worked at Postal Service headquarters there. Uh, she came from Boston. I came from Cleveland. We met there. And I was a writer for them for employee publications and then annual reports. And she was, uh, still is, obviously, a graphic designer. And so we worked together hand-in-hand on publications there. So it was kind of a natural thing. We didn't ever do one on our own, of course, um, but here we are. So, What's been the best thing you've experienced or seen so far here at The Bash? Wow. Uh, I really enjoyed The Bash Boys Band because that was fun. Th- there's so many different things I'd like to see as a fan and hear. Uh, but you can't do it necessarily when you're a vendor, which is fine. You know, you can get away mm-hmm. certain times. I really enjoyed uh, Victoria Price's oh. talk. It was just so, uh, you know, she's so articulate and just very smooth in what she's talking about. No hesitation at all. You know, you could just tell she loves her dad so mm-hmm. much. And it was it was really kind of a breathtaking moment there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, all the movies and everything, you know, this is the only time I probably stay up till 2.30 and then, <laughs> and then get up early the next day, like for several days in a row, but it's all worth it. <laughs> well, we have a game that we play on the Monster Kid Radio podcast. It's called The Classic Five. We've got a deck of cards here, a whole bunch of different questions about monster movies. There okay. are no wrong answers. Ready to play The Classic Five, Don? Yes. All right, card number one. Which movie do you prefer? The Vampire Lovers, Lust for a Vampire, or Twins of Evil? Wow. Probably the first one. Vampire Lovers. Yeah. Is that, is that okay? Ingrid Pitt, yes. Okay. <laughs> My friend Dominique Lamsey, who's the person who made those, those uh, tinglers you've been seeing around. Oh, okay. She, she Hi, loves Dominique. one of these movies and dislikes another one quite strongly. So I wanted to make sure it was the right one. Because I have to deal with it later after you've gone back to your oh, table. that's funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Card number two. What other monster should Abbott and Costello have met in the movies? It's probably a pretty common answer, but I'm thinking uh, Preacher from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. 
Now, they did it on TV briefly. Yes. Real briefly. Actually, I just discovered that. Oh, yeah? Because I didn't realize it, but uh, Jim Ivers, one of our regular writers, he's doing uh, a history of horror on television. Oh, wow. Comprehensive. Okay. Part one is in 109 right now. And then we may even have to stretch it out to part three because it's so uh, extensive. But uh, he mentions that in there, and I never knew about that. Oh, wow. And you can buy it on DVD. It's a short uh, It's real clip. short. Right. Yeah. But it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. And I think that was the first appearance. I think it was pre-film. I think it was like kind of promoting the movie. So Okay. That I makes think, sense. But don't, listeners, don't hold me to it. All right. <laughs> Card number three. Which movie do you prefer? Tarantula or Them? Ooh, that's a tough one. I would say Tarantula only because I've seen it more often. Mm-hmm. And just that guy in the desert and the initial scene there was so scary to me as a kid, you know, with the, 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 the deformed face there. Um, and I can't even think of his name now, but um, Leo G. Carroll. Mm-hmm. He's, he'd been in so many other movies I'd seen that I just kind of connected with him in a little a, a way there. But uh, them is, is deserves its accolades oh, over the years. It's a classic. Well, Tarantula's got John Agar, so that's that's it for me. That's so. true, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, card number four. This is actually from our Monster Bash exclusive expansion of the game. What classic monster movie would you show as part of a double feature with King Kong? Well, Mighty Joe Young is kind of a natural, but... If you're going away from uh, the ape type thing, wow. I guess the original Godzilla. I mean, you can always pair those two up. <laughs> you know, King of the Monsters. Yeah. With Raymond Burr. I don't know. Well, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. And then maybe cap it off with a King Kong you know, versus Godzilla at the end. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, final card, final question. What classic monster movie that never had a sequel really should have had one? Oh, I was going to say War of the Worlds, but I don't even know how you'd have a sequel for that. Well, they did that follow-up TV series like in the 80s, didn't they? Right. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't even think. Well, I, I suppose if you really wanted one, because there's never really been a true one, would be the original Dracula with, you know, Bela Lugosi. Oh, have um, him come back again? Yeah. Instead I of, mean, there was Return of the Vampire, and there's all those different uh, movies, but uh, it would have been interesting to see him again. It would have been interesting to see him do more at Universal, period, because right, it's Lugosi, exactly. you know, and, and yeah. Well, that was the Classic Five, man. How do you feel? Good. All right, you won. No, that was fun. I love doing this with people, and I love that people are taking time away from their vendors' tables to come over to me and and hang out with me at my table because I'm also not getting around as much as I'd like because I'm I'm here. So, Don, thank you for doing this, and thank you for everything you do with Scary Monsters. What what can people look forward to either in the newest issue or what's coming up down the line? Well, we're going to do a first uh, for Scary Monsters in that we're really going to emphasize Halloween and our fall issue every oh, wow. year. Okay. So it's going to be our first annual kind of Halloween uh, special, if you could call it that. And then uh, we're going to our, our regular writer, Dr. Mark Glassy. Uh, everybody's familiar with his work where he looks at the science behind all the yeah. traditional uh, classic movies. But he's going to be talking about a major exhibit that's coming up. He works with the University of California at Riverside. Okay. He's a consultant with them because they have a great science fiction museum there. And there's going to be a big announcement, and it's uh, going to be a, a 
I don't even know how much I can talk about it, but well, yeah, I mean, we don't want to. It's going yeah. to be a great exhibit. Okay, and it's a lot of his own models, his oh, own wow. uh, first edition books, and because he's got an incredible collection. And Dennis has covered his collection. I think he called it the collection in uh, a few of his issues. I know it was in I think 100, and uh, so that's that's coming up in the fall. Uh, the cover is going to be uh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, 50th anniversary. We couldn't let this year go by without mm -hmm. honoring George Romero's classic there. Um, and that's what's coming. So people can find you online. Do you, do you have ScaryMonsters.com? It's ScaryMonstersMagazine.com. That's, that's it. Or MyMovieMonsters.com. Okay. That's our original collectibles right. business, but it's the same website. So. Sounds good. Don, thanks again, man. Thank really you, and thank it. you for Monster Kid Radio. Thanks. You might know him as Dr. Bob Tesla, the horror host. You might know him as Bob Gilbert. I know him as a guy that knew Christopher R. Mims, so by proxy, we're friends. How you doing, man? <laughs> hey, good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, the show's almost over. The bash is coming to an end. Yes. You've been here all three days. Oh, yeah. Four well, days. Four days. Well, you got here Thursday. Okay. Fine, fine, fine. So did I. Uh, <laughs> what's the best thing you see, uh, you've seen? What's the best things that's happened? Oh, oh, man. Um... You know, seeing Curse of the Demon last night, I've actually never seen it. Oh, wow. So I was very happy getting to see it. That was very cool. Also, I never had a chance to see Day of the Triffids before. And so I was, uh, I really like seeing Day of the Triffids. But I think the thing that shocked me the most is, you know, here we had, you know, one of the, the stars of it in there. But that wasn't got, what got me was when the doctor's granddaughter showed up from Doctor Who. I was like, oh my God, it's Susan. <laughs> so, and that just, that just blew me away because I'd never seen Carol Ann Ford in anything else. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's like, she's got that distinctive look, that nose, the dark hair. I was just like, that's Susan. So I like hurry up, grab the phone, go IMDb. Is that, is that, is it? Yes, it is. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I'd say Day of the Triffids and uh, Curse of the Demon were really cool. So that, that's probably my favorite so far. Uh, so far, it's almost over, man. Yeah, but, you know, it keeps going. It, it does keep going. It does keep going. How many times have you come to the bash? Oh, man. Uh, since about 2009. So uh, I think we missed one year because they moved it to July uh, for one year. So... So like like eight years, and of course my wife has been going long since before she knew me. No, so, so Monster Bash was your first love. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her thing. She had been going to the Monster Bash long since before she knew me. My big thing that I went to, but that she didn't know about, was the 24-hour Sci-Fi Marathon in Columbus, Ohio. I'd been going to that since 1992. Wow. And that's one of those. It's like it. It's still a love of, of these old classic movies and all that, but from a very different experience. You know, this mm -hmm. one, it's, it's a convention. You're meeting the guests. You know, the 24-hour sci-fi marathon, yeah, sometimes they get in guests and all that, but it's more of an endurance kind of thing. Can you make it through 24 hours of good movies, bad movies, new and old movies? And it's like, we try, we try. <laughs> I, I, I will admit, I'm older now. I don't try as hard as I used to. Now I'll take, all right, that's a movie I'll sleep through. <laughs> you know? There's something as you get older that that sleep suddenly sounds like a good idea every once in a while, and I, I yeah, I don't, I don't know where that, I don't know how that happened. Well, yeah, you know. it's it's probably just, eh, I'll catch that later. <laughs> yeah. 
So I mentioned Mim earlier. Yeah. What is your relationship with Christopher R. Mim? <laughs> well, actually, it started at the Monster Bash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, I think it was my first bash, uh, which was in Butler. And I was there and I was walking through the vendor room and you had this guy who had a movie playing. I think it was uh, Cave Women on Mars playing on his thing. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, he's making new, old, good, bad movies. Okay, I get it. Yeah. And, you know, I know, I know a lot of people compare things to like Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. And the first couple of Mem movies are kind of like in the Lost Skeleton of Cadavera vein. But by that point, he was going on to more straight homage movies, and I liked that better. Because the problem with Lost Skeleton of Cadavera is it's very wink, wink, nudge, nudge, get the joke, get the joke. And it's like, yeah, 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 you don't have to beat me over the head with it. Whereas by, by you know, Cave Women and Destination Outer Space and all that, it's like, no. He's trying to do an old movie the way it was done, same kind. And it's like, all right, I enjoy this. I like this. It's like getting... Uh, uh, a treasure trove of the old movies that you hadn't seen before and you know so I signed up for his his list and it's like okay cool so I'd get his his uh, newsletter and a few years later um, when I started looking into becoming a horror host uh, the theater I was at um, had lost their horror host he'd gone on to a different theater and I was like oh well I know this guy that would probably let us show the, his movies and so I contacted Chris, and Chris was like, yeah, you have my permission to show my movies. Go for it. And boom. So as he started us off. Our first six shows were all his movies. At that, that was all he had at that point. So six movies, boom. And he gave us a good start because it was the, the type of movie I wanted to show, something you could bring all ages to and enjoy you know not something there there was a grindhouse kind of thing going on also in Columbus at the time and that's not what I wanted to show grindhouse I, yes there are people who are fans of it but there's also a lot of people who are turned off by it I wanted something that you know you could go watch if you were a teenager you could go watch if you were a 40 year old you could go watch if you were a family you know and that was this you know so uh, he really helped set the tone of what I wanted to show. And I became the official horror host of St. Euphoria uh, over the years. And we've helped him out on different things. We've done the live snark track on two of his movies, uh, which I don't know that we'll be doing any more on those because after Cave Women on Mars, the movies start getting a little more serious and you don't have the pauses that you can time the jokes into. Like when Professor Jackson is talking. They're brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Those pauses are brutal. <laughs> well, but they're great for making jokes. Oh, sure. You know, uh, I think one of the big jokes we had for It Came From Another World was the big let's go when he's, or to the, the um, or no, good day, when he's saying that to the uh, canoe cops as they're heading off after finding Frank, and it's just such a long pause. So we were able to put like, four jokes in there all while we're waiting including uh, um, guys I think the professor's locked up we, can you wiggle the plug control alt delete something you know so those two movies will work for Snark Tracks it's like I, I know Chris loved what we did and he's talking about we should do it for terror from beneath the earth 
I just don't know. Terror is such a more serious movie. Yeah. So, and we've also done things like we're the only people who he's let do additional scenes for his movies. We did the uh, additional scenes for House of Ghosts. We did additional scenes for Giant Spider. Um, I've been in two of his movies, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's always nice to see yourself up on the big screen. And um, we had, uh, a few years back, we did the 24-hour Christopher R. Mim Marathon, the Mimathon, And that was really cool. We showed them in-universe order. This was before Mewerski. This was the year where Mosquito came out, but it hadn't came out yet. So um, we actually showed like a sneak preview of that at the Mimathon, and it started with you know Monster Phantom Lake and all that. But then you have uh, the space movies get pulled out and put toward the end of that. So I actually think uh, it helped on the viewing because what we did was late night double feature. We split it and put them where they belong in the time frame. And a lot of people don't like X from Fiend from Beyond Space. I love it. Well, I'm not I'm not fighting you on it. You know, <laughs> I love they, you take that back. No. Yeah, I, yeah, I love it. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of people think it's the weaker of the two in late night double feature. You know, and mm, it's just different. Yeah. But when I was watching it as part of that, where it's in with the rest of the space movies, it's like, oh no, this is better. This this feels better, and I told him that afterwards, and he, he was like, yeah, I guess so, yeah, and it it is also kind of interesting because you have that kind of a disconnect between the two, and it's like, okay, when you go into space, you don't then aren't going back and forth in time, and you just stay there. Of course, then he screwed us over with Danny Johnson. You know, it's like because oh, the flashback, you, flashbacks, and, then, yeah. and all. It's like ah. But no, Dane Johnson's a great film. It's it's a great kids film. You should watch it every Christmas. <laughs> so, so I would love to get your partner, your yes. lovely wife, your your, you know, the person you're a sidekick for, yeah. uh, on 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 as well. So yes, let's bring her on. All right, here we go. Melanie. Hi, Doc. How you doing? Round but okay. So your character with the the Bob Tesla verse. Yes. Is Nurse Ferratu? Nurse Ferratu. What is the Nurse Ferratu's background? Uh, the nurse is actually kind of still looking for a background. She originally came to the show as an amnesiac that was hypnotized by our villain Rick Edison to spy on Dr. Bob. She has since become an ally and she's putting up with Rick for now, but um, yeah, she's not a big fan of him still. There's some, there's some un, unending hatred for what has happened, but she's starting to get her memory back, so the nurse is actually off the show off looking for herself and looking for what she presumes might be her husband because okay. she does wear a wedding band so we've never explored who he is we've got a couple ideas of where we might go with it but well, we know who the nurse hopes she is oh yes is. oh me. yes she's very hopeful it's michael kaiser she absolutely loves michael which has probably caused michael some pain in the past the poor guy now were you with the show from the beginning i made my appearance in the second episode okay uh, first episode, I was just you know helping out where I could, but we decided we needed some gags and we needed someone walking fun in. So the first episode, we decided to do the old William Castle nurse out front, sign this petition in case the film scares you to death. We're not responsible. Nice. And that's where the character started. Okay. And we've just kind of kept growing her personality and. 
what she's going to do on the show since then. But, you know, definitely need a front end plus narrative to go, this is where you go. And, hey, you know, you want these movies. <laughs> and these adorable little plushy brains. They're so cute. <laughs> and a wonderful game now that we've got that as well, you know. So it's like, you know, need someone up front to, to handle that <laughs> to stuff. To sell stuff. Yes. Well, and, you know. If you've ever seen a picture of it, she's got the cleavage, so people are willing to come and talk to her for a few minutes. <laughs> so what's the best thing you've seen or done at the bash? Oh, for this year? Um, I mean, seeing the people I guess you only once a year is great. Seeing Zach's performance, I always say, is one of the best parts of the bash. If I could just kidnap Zach, bring him home, and... <laughs> You know, have him perform locally every week. I'd be thrilled. So I, I didn't get to see it, but Zach uh, does what, like a, an Edgar Allan Poe one-man yes. show thing? Yeah, he does a, normally it's a one-man show. He does a lot of Poe this year. He also did a couple scenes from Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Uh, he Then he did The Pit and the Pendulum, which he had done before. And it's, you know, one person, no microphone, you know, a little bit of props, and him just going for it. Mm-hmm. Completely memorized it's it's kind of breathtaking and mesmerizing. I do not miss seeing Zach when he's here because it's just not like anything I see anywhere else. So it's Zach Zito is his Zach name. Zach Zito, so. yes. So I wonder, does that speak to you guys? Because a lot of your horror hosting isn't like on TV or YouTube, but you did a lot of live horror hosting. So is there a, a theatricality connection there for you? It could be. I think that that's probably true. Uh, I saw Zach long before we got into this, but it's just like that live edge is something I love and I think that's part of the reason I do enjoy the live shows I like my scripts but that's not something Bob believes in necessarily (laughs) (laughs) he's a he's a fan of Commedia del Arte in his performing style which is loose script with lots of improv fair enough well I know you listen to the show Mm -hmm. so you know what the classic five is oh yes you want to play all right all right and then then we'll swap out it's gonna be painful isn't it I don't think so. (laughs) So this comes from the new Monster Bash exclusive expansion deck. This question here. What has been your favorite Monster Bash purchase? Ooh. Ever. Many, many years ago, and I don't know where it is. It's somewhere in my house. Someone had made homemade teddy bears that were Frankenstein and a wolfman with claws. Uh, and it's like they are just so adorable. It's like, oh, I need to snuggle these. Except I gotta remember to watch the claws on the on the werewolf. <laughs> and it's like that is like I like most stuff. I can't tell you if I got it at the bash or just another DVD sale. But mm-hmm. that one was awesome. that was a fun one. Awesome. All right, card number two. I believe this is from the Universal deck. So, which Edward Von Sloan, or excuse me, Van Sloan, do you prefer? Dracula's Van Helsing, Frankenstein's Doctor Waldman, or the Mummy's Doctor Moeller? So I prefer the film Dracula. I think he's a more interesting character in The Mummy, actually. I love him in The Mummy. I love him so much in The Mummy. Yeah. He's, he's so different than that kind of, he doesn't know everything. You know? Yeah. There's always a little bit of, yeah, I love he's it. He's still an expert, but this is way beyond his pay grade. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, card number three. Which character from a classic monster movie would you want as an action figure? Yeah, I'm. I gotta say, I, I've got a doll of it, but I would love a Renfield. 
That's that's my thought. I I love Winfield. <laughs> and it's like I got the doll one year for Christmas and I carried it throughout the house. <laughs> it's like mom's like, you know, I spent hundreds of dollars on other stuff. You could touch a different toy. <laughs> I'm like, Winfield, mm, Winfield. Card number four. Willis O'Brien or Ray Harryhausen? I gotta go Harryhausen for one big reason. Only person in monster movies ever gave me nightmares. Really? I saw Jason the Argonauts probably around 10 years old Mm -hmm. and didn't think anything of it. You know, not the first time I'd seen Harryhausen, but I woke up in the middle of the night sweating, sitting up in bed from those skeletons, that wow. army of skeletons. Wow. Creeped me the heck out as a kid. Okay. It's like I actually got to meet him one year, and I was like, I had to tell him. It's like you're the only one. You know, I've watched Dracula. I've watched Freddy. None of them affect me. Yours, yours stick with you forever. Wow. Wow. So for that Ooh. alone, I got to go with awesome. So final card. It's also another oh. universal card. Ooh. Which movie do you prefer, The Monolith Monsters or Monster on the Campus? And I feel like you're somebody I could probably ask this, this of. I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with both those yeah, movies. Yeah, I think I'd go with The Monolith Monster. Okay. It'd be close, but I think that one's a little more enjoyable. It's kind of... It's scarier, I think. Yeah. Because it's not a humanoid monster. It's rocks. It's, yeah. You get them wet and they, they come at you. It's awesome. Yeah, it's not, the one, it's not one of those monsters you see every day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a classic five. How do you feel? Pretty good. I don't you think win. I died. You win. <laughs> I'd love to play with Dr. Bob as well, oh. if you're up for it, dude. Sure. You want Dr. Bob or you want Bob? Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, well. <laughs> yes, Dr. Bob has a slightly different personality on that one. So. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. So uh, here's another Monster Batch exclusive card for right. you, starting at the top. Card number one. Who was the most recent celebrity you saw at Monster Bash? Oh, it'd be uh, Victoria Price. Yeah, so. Ain't she great? Oh yeah, yeah. She, her her whole panel is just so uplifting, and it's it's so nice about what she says about her father Vincent. You know, in fact, we even referenced it this morning because she said how Vincent always kept uh, forks, disposable forks, in his pocket. Yes, so yes. she and. My wife was like, oh, I've got spoons and this morning because she pulled them out of nowhere so that we could have cereal. And I'm just like, you're going to turn into Vincent Price. I don't know if that's like, is a problem? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, card number two, what's your favorite Ed Wood film? Ooh, oh, you know, I know it's the popular one and all that, but I'm, i got to go at Plan 9 just because he was able to almost pull off an ambitious movie <laughs> <laughs> almost okay yeah. okay card number three what classic monster movie would you like to see as an animated remake oh oh man um well of course you know i love godzilla but they've got kind of get, they've got the animated stuff doing that they're doing right now so i don't won't count that one um you know what might be a good animated one and this is the only movie that's ever scared me The Blob because you could do some interesting work with the animation yeah huh it's a good one yeah I can see that let's see was that three so here's four what prop from a classic monster movie would you like to own 
Ooh, ooh. Okay, where you can make the cutoff on classic? Your call. Okay. If if you count seventies, I would go with an alien cost that from Alien. Uh, I just I love H.R. Giger's work. It they're so uh, uh, just it's so definitive and so iconic, and I love it. If we're going back further, if we're going like sixties and beyond. I might have to go with an interocitor from this this island Earth. I still want an interocitor. I want an interocitor back. <laughs> yeah. Like, who doesn't have an interocitor? You collective heads of knuckle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Final card. I saw this in here, and I thought, you know what? I, I'm not going to be random. I'm just going to make him. This is the one. Who's your favorite mad scientist? <laughs> see, I figured it was All appropriate. Right. All right. Other than Dr. Bob. Um, well, let's see. Oh, man, there's so many good ones. Um, of course, you know, for Dr. Bob, I borrow a lot from uh, um, Dr. Forrester from, mm-hmm. from Mystery Science Theater. Uh, Frankenstein is always a great one. Um, man, it's, it's so hard to narrow it down to just one. But I don't know if you'd count him as a mad scientist, but the actual Clayton Forrester from War of the Worlds... I really liked his style, but yeah, he's not really a mad scientist. I think we'd probably have to go, though, go classic and go Henry Frankenstein from the original Universal. Colin Clive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one, it's just, he's got that manic, when he, when he creates it and he's just like right on the edge of hysteria, it's alive, it's alive. You know, by the, yeah, it's just, it's like, oh my God, he is losing it out of sheer joy of what he's just done. And it's like, okay, that's cool. You know, right on. Cool. So I want people to be able to find you online. You do a pretty unique horror hosting thing now. Yes. uh, In VR. Yes. Yes. Alt space VR. We actually, every Friday at 1030 Eastern time, we show a part of a movie. We have it split up into about 30 minute segments. Um, every week it's in virtual reality alt space VR is the name of the program and it's not just a VR thing you know you can you can get the 2d app for your computer or your phone just alt space VR and you know you're just looking around as if it was like a computer you know mm-hmm. or a computer game kind of thing where you're using a mouse and your your buttons to move around however if you have oculus go, Oculus Rift, VR, uh, Gear VR, HTC Vive, all these other things. It's, you know, you can download the app and you can look around and actually be immersive in it. But uh, what's great is we've started doing the movies in environments that fit them. Like we just finished up uh, the Alpha Omega Man from Josh Kennedy. And that was in this haunted cemetery and barn with a full moon over the screen. It was really nice. Uh, next, we're going to be showing It Came From Another World with a snark track. And because that one's a comedy, we're going to be doing it in a comedy club. Uh, when I do a sci-fi movie for them, it's going to be on a space station with opening and closing doors and observation deck and all that. And including these two buttons that you hit and out come these people that are in uh, cryogenic refrigeration. So, uh, you know, that just brings a whole other level to enjoying your movie. Um, and we also have our monthly show. Uh, we have two monthly shows. We have one that's live in a theater, and that's uh, you get more details on that on our Facebook page, Midnight Monster Movies with Dr. Bob. Um, but we have our 
second monthly show on the fourth Saturday of every month on uh, YouTube, and that is Wild Eye Reactions, okay. where we react to the best and the worst movies from Wild Eye releasing, which the best are really good. Uh, there are some really good movies. They had The Neon Dead, Caesar and Otto. These are all brilliant, beautiful movies. Then you have movies that hurt us and hurt us hard. And we don't have to talk about them. Okay. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty busy. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to everything. Thanks for taking some time to talk to me, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, man. Thanks. And this is the best podcast, period. You know, hands down. I'm only saying that because the Bonfire podcast is gone. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, hey, that means this was second best. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, man. But first, I want to say thank you to Joyce Meadows for spending a few minutes with Monster Kid Radio today. Oh, this is Monster Kid. Great. Yep, yep that's what we do. Thank you for doing this, and thank you for doing the Monster Bash. It's been a, treasure, a treat to have you here. You know, I know other people have said it, but I'm sure they say it from the heart like I do. This is one of the most wonderful convention shows of this type that I have ever done. Mm-hmm. The people here are just super they really are. Uh, I've had a wonderful time. I mean, people come by, you know, to get a picture, and their stories are wonderful, and, mm-hmm. and it's just been a wonderful experience. Is uh, this the first bash you've done? This is the first time I've been here, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, uh, Ron called me last... No, it wasn't Ron. It was... Um, look, oh, Mark Stadler, he called me last year. Oh, okay. Me. So I've been looking forward to it for almost a year. Well, you've been looking forward to it, too. You have been in one of my absolute favorite films with one of my absolute favorite actors. And and I want to talk about that for a second. But I want to ask you about Brett Halsey first, because I also really enjoy his work. And I don't get to talk to people about Brett Halsey very often because he didn't do a lot of genre films and that sort of thing. But you did do a film with him. Yes, The Girl Down Lover's Lane. What was your experience like working with him? We were both young. We had a wonderful director. And uh, we both got kind of a crush on each other. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And it was easy to do. Look at that (laughs) handsome man. And uh, we decided that that would help the movie. We just didn't follow anything through. We were very good, Derek. We didn't fly there. But there was a little spark between us, which yeah. was, worked great because we were uh, uh, falling in love, you know, in the movie. Right. But he was very easy to work with. Mm-hmm. He was just a natural. I don't think he had much background uh, as far as training, but he really used well what he did have. You know what he did, Derek? He went to Europe. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's where I know his work from. So a lot of the European cinema that he did, That's the right. spy films, the westerns. I didn't know that until I met him at a memorabilia many yeah. years after, and we were talking. It was a western mm-hmm. uh, convention in uh, Virginia. And that's when he told me that he had spent a lot of time in Europe doing westerns. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I discovered him, actually. I know he did a couple of genre things, but I discovered him through the Spaghetti Westerns. That's right. And I just became a fan. So Look, at Clint Eastwood did that. That's, That's true. That's true. He did that for a lot of years. Yeah. But I, I really liked your chemistry with him in that film. It, it's... <laughs> 
it, and it's interesting to I know. I you the secret. I know. I was going to say, it's interesting <laughs> to know the secret now, because it is a, a palpable kind of spark that, that happens throughout the entire film that you're yeah. just like, this is, this is, I mean, it was very well, very well done. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Now, of course, because it is Monster Kid Radio, I have to talk about John Agar, who is my guy. I, you know, I, I lament having never had a chance to meet him. He was a type of person that was a natural in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So many of us come from a, a lot of background work. Mm-hmm. He just, uh, doesn't have that he didn't have that much background as far as preparation as an actor but he had a wonderful feeling and naturalness in front of the camera and as you got to know him uh, you just could understand why he was a gentle soul he was a sweetheart I got to do two conventions with him over oh, the wow. brain and uh, he would sit next to me you know and we both signed the same pictures at the same time, and mm. we got to talk a lot. And that's where I got to uh, know him even better than I did in the film. You know, because doing those two and spending several days, you know, doing them, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed that. And it wasn't too long after that that he was gone, you yeah. know. So I really was grateful that I had that time with him again. So we've talked about you know, what you thought of Brett Halsey, what you think of John Ayer. What's your background? How did you come to act? Well, uh, to make a long story short, okay. I was born in Alberta, Canada, outside of Calgary, mm-hmm. from both sides of my family as farmers. And my dad and mother uh, wanted to move to the United States. We moved to Montana. Oh. Then they moved to Oregon. Then they moved to California. And then my dad wanted to move... My mother says, stop. I love California. You want to move, you go. And that was in Sacramento area of California. And I went to school in Northern California and got into uh, my school plays. Prior to that, I was always, I think the first time I was on stage was a Christmas program. I was three years old and I sang uh, This Little Light of Mine. So I've been on stage Ever since I was a little girl. Oh, wow. And then I decided to come to L.A. And I got an in with the character actors who got me into the Hollywood Studio Club. Oh, okay. The famous Hollywood Studio Club. Mm -hmm. That was a wonderful place. Too bad it isn't still going. It would be a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. And I was in a play. An agent saw me and wanted to represent me. I agreed, and he helped me open the doors. What part of Oregon, if you don't mind my asking? Bend. Bend. I'm from Portland, so that's why I ask, yeah. Bend, Oregon, when we were there, was nothing but a little sawmill town. Okay. And now I understand it's a big resort. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's it's a different flavor than where I'm from in Portland. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I flew all the way out here from Portland. So, so. that's where we lived. <laughs> right on. Bend, Oregon. Yeah, were you a fan of the genre film? Like, when you did The Praying from Planet Arrows, when you saw it, what did you think? I liked it. Yeah? <laughs> I thought we all did such a good job. We were so busy doing it, you know, you don't know how it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And I loved the special effects. You know, I saw John act like, you know, like if the brain was entering him and everything Uh and so on. And then after that was done, 
special effects interjected into the film with the brain mm -hmm. shrinking. So, you know, that was all done in, in, uh, in a studio with special effects. So did you know what it was going to look like that? I had no idea. Wow. No. And you know something cute. They wouldn't let John and I see the brain until we actually encountered him in our scene. Oh, okay. First time I saw it was in the Bronson Canyon. So it was kind of scary. <laughs> it was easy to scream. You know, John didn't have to scream, but I screamed. And uh, yeah, they kept the brain a secret from us, what it looked like. Right. And it was pretty big, you know. It's pretty big. And uh, that gave John something to fight with. You know, right. And kind of pound on a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was a... He had a wonderful knack for what they call natural talent. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that was John. Well, I appreciate all that you've done for the convention circuit. Yeah. yeah I appreciate you being on Monster Kid Radio. And, well, uh, I think it's wonderful you have this here for the kids. Oh, yeah. Because I've had kids come to the table. Mm -hmm. I couldn't charge them. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, we pay, they're, they're supposed to pay for your autograph. But, you know, these munchkins come up and they're... Uh, you know, and I just, I said, it's my gift. You just, I just couldn't charge him. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, you know, what are you going to do? Anyway, thank well, you, I appreciate Derek, it. for having me. I appreciate it. Have a safe trip home, okay? Thank you. I always like that wish. <laughs> so there's been somebody on my podcaster bingo card for a long time that I've been wanting to check off of having met in person, despite <laughs> the fact that he once called me a blasphemer on another podcast. Rod Barnett. Uh, in my defense, uh, you were. <laughs> so <laughs> don't pretend. What, what, what? So the story is. Oh, oh okay. okay. So at that point in your uh, your film watching life, uh, you confess to uh, uh, hating all gods. No, not hating all gods. No, 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 no. <laughs> you confess to. Uh, I can't remember the specifics, but is uh, you had seen so few Godzilla films. I'd never seen any all the way through. I'd seen clips. And that's that's oh yeah, yeah. That's I'm thinking blasphemers a light word for that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really weird uh, because at that point, what you'd been uh, you'd been doing. Uh, the zombie podcast for oh, years wow. yeah. and you'd switched over. Had you switched over at that point to doing no, this? Okay. So to my mind, I, I thought, how did you avoid it? Where was it? Where was it? Uh, how could it be? So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were calling into the B movie cast. And of course, and you, and you told that admission meant that I was going to have to call you out on the B movie cast as a blasphemer. As you told story. Vince and Mary and Nick that I was a blasphemer. Yeah, that's just true. Because I hadn't watched any Godzilla movies all the way through. And I felt really good about it for about a week. Yeah. Justified. Uh -huh. Righteous. Uh -huh. In my indignation that you had not seen more Godzilla films. And then you replied on, on the B movie cast. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been too hard on the guy. I mean, We've all we if if we've all trespassed, we've all made mistakes. Uh, it's best to, to to open our bosoms and welcome you into the fold and hand you some DVDs if necessary, just so that you can actually take yourself and place yourself properly within the church of the big G. So fortunately, I didn't have to get into your bosom. <laughs> um, but it's a little hairy there. I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest it. So <laughs> now at this point. I'm pretty sure you've seen, if not all, at least a, a fair chunk of the I've Godzilla. I've seen them all. 
You've seen them all at this oh, point? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's excellent, excellent. I've made up for loss. Yeah, no, I've, I've gone through them all. Um, I've gone through some of them multiple times. Yeah. Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla was the first one I sat all the way through. At a theater. Theatrical print. Nice. Um, with Scott Morris. So, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you can't fault the film for the company you keep. So, no. Yeah. Oh, no. It was awesome. It was incredibly cool. The problem was he was rooting for God, I mean, for King Kong the entire film. Hey, now. That was a mistake. Well, I thought it was the American cut where King Kong wins it. <laughs> don't you wish Don't you wish that that was true? Insane rumor that I believed. I believed until, man, I got to be honest with you. I believed that was pop, probably true until like 2004, 2005. Yeah. That had to be crowbarred out of my mind by just reality. Finally, it's like, no, it's been in too many books. It doesn't exist. That was a lie. Yep. It's like, but yep. then again, here's the thing. Thank God the other fanboy rumor about horror films didn't turn out to be true until years later which was you know the japanese version of horror of dracula has a whole lot more footage of of, of the disintegration and all this stuff at the end and so i poo-pooed that for the longest time like most people i considered that to be less than believable and it turns out to be true (laughs) (laughs) and you can see it on blu-ray right now (laughs) so thank god that didn't happen before I finally allowed the the myth of the the alternate cut of Godzilla and King Kong's battle to to be taken away from me, mm-hmm. or I'd still be holding on to it. Yep. All right. Let's play the classic five. What do you think? Sure. Be love. I'd love right. to. Card number one. If you had to colorize one Universal monster movie, which one would it be? Wow. Actually, not as hard as I thought because it just flashed on it. Because there is some behind the scenes color footage. I think it would be fun to see them take what we know of what the actual coloration was on the set of Son of Frankenstein and give that a shot. And not just because Son of Frankenstein is my favorite of the Universal Frankensteins. I just love that movie so much. But because we have definite color footage, not just notes made on scripts or not just notes made in the, uh, you know, in the, the costuming mm-hmm. uh, department, but we've got actually something to go on. I think that, I think that would be interesting. I feel it would probably end up being like the Ray Harryhausen approved uh, colorized versions of his black and white films, which is it's nice to see that once, but I'm going to default to the black and whites. That's probably what it would end up being. But I still think it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, okay. okay. Card number two, who else? And this is kind of appropriate considering the Nashy cast that you do. Who else could have or should have played a werewolf? Ooh. Oh, so are, are we talking... Any, a werewolf at any point in time, any, or are we talking time. about the Universal films? Any time. Any time. This may seem odd, uh, but I'm not the first to say this, at least among my friends. I would have loved to have seen Robert Mitchum take a stab at a role like that. Oh. I would have loved it. And, of course, the idea immediately comes up as soon as you watch um, Charles Lawton's film, Night of the Hunter. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Mitchum is essentially playing the Frankenstein monster in that, if at, at certain at certain points, I mean, he's just you know this inarticulate thing, who's you know driving force is greed. So I would love to have seen um, sometime in the fifties. I would love to have seen Robert Mitchum take on a role like that. I think he would have been game for it for a long period of his career. And man, how fascinating! Yeah. 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 Wow. All right. Card number three from the Monster Dash exclusive deck. <laughs> oh. Who's the last person you've taken a picture with at Monster Bash? Oh, man. Hold on. That's rough. Oh, oh. It was uh, it was Mark, Mark Maddox and I. Uh, Mark Maddox was doing something cruel to my ear, and I snapped a selfie for proof. Okay. And then he grabbed my phone and deleted it because Mark Maddox is a jerk. <laughs> Don't edit that out. <laughs> 
even though it's of course not true. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know, I keep. He always tells me, I want to be on your show. You get a hold of me. You get a hold of me. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, I want you on the show. And I've been contacting you by Facebook for months and I never hear back. He's a Whoa, great guest. Well, well, well. He's a great guest. But the problem is that the, and I run into this too, with him as well because he, he, we started out this year. He said, look, I want to be on the show at least five times this year. We haven't been done it once because he gets, he gets work and yeah. he's got a certain deadline and it's like he's got to make time to get his thoughts together to watch the film mm-hmm. and then sit down and, you know, carve out two hours one evening for the two of us to sit down and talk over Skype. And it can be difficult because his, you know, his priority is always going to be, I got a paying gig and a deadline yeah. versus I love doing this. Mm-hmm. So, so keep at it. He will do it. And he's, a, and he's a great guest. I've had so. him on once yeah. and uh, I want to have him on again. Yeah. yeah. All right. Card number is great. Card number, I'll edit that out. Card number four. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. Uh, Mighty Joe Young or King Kong? Always King Kong. Always King Kong. Always King Kong. The 33 King Kong is absolutely one of my favorite films. If you ask me my top 10, I can guarantee you no matter what shifts around, there's going to be three specific films that are always going to be in it, and King Kong's one of them. There's a good reason it ends up at number one on any any list when you, you, know, you crowdsource it for monster fans. It's ground zero for a lot of fandom. It's ground zero for a whole genre of film, to be honest. So, yeah. 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 I, I firmly believe that with no King Kong, there is no Godzilla. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. Uh, yes. If you look at the, 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 the connections, King Kong inspired Ray Harryhausen, who made a movie that inspired a Japanese guy. Who, yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. Final card, the original Nosferatu or the original Dracula. Okay. Now I have gone through, I have to like back way up to get to the answer. Uh, (laughs) um, I have gone through different periods of um, appreciation for Browning's Dracula. I went through that period where I just loved the film because it was Dracula. And then I went through that period of really examining it and realizing that it's the first half hour that I really love and the rest of the film isn't as good to me. And then realizing that Eh, maybe not. Maybe there are things there that I love. And then being able to see the Spanish version along, you know, with processing that and, and going back and forth with that. I now, and the thing is, I never went through that process with Nosferatu. Nosferatu, from the moment I saw it, I just thought was amazing. <laughs> so, um, I love both movies. Um, the thing is, I've probably seen that through, through an accident of videotape ownage. <laughs> That's not a word. Uh, uh, I've seen Nosferatu way more times than I've seen Dracula, simply because for a long period of time I owned a public domain VHS of it in the early 80s. And so um, I love that movie. So I hate to say this, but it's it's probably a coin toss, but if I'm going to say which I would prefer overall, I'm probably going to go with the 31 Dracula, but only because of an over-familiarity with Nosferatu because I just, I watched it to death once I had that video. That was one of the very first videotapes we had in the house when I was uh, still in like 10th or 11th grade until we built up a larger, (laughs) a much larger videotape collection. And so I watched it a lot. So uh, love them both. But if I've got a pick, I'll go with Browning's film. Okay. Okay. So people can find you online at a few, you got a few different podcasts, but I know you for the Nashi cast. Yeah. Which is the Paul Nashy podcast. How often does it come out? Uh, intermittently. Uh, we've, we've only done two this year. 
Uh, we, we're, we've scheduled up uh, another recording here in July. We're going to sit down with our buddy uh, Court Psyops. Okay. Uh, we're, he, we're doing uh, a special on uh, Spanish horror. I've tasked him and uh, Troy to come up with their three favorite non-Nashy Spanish horror films, and we're going to discuss our three lists. That's your co-host, Troy Gwen. Yeah. Okay. And so what we're going to do there is I fear there's going to be a fair amount of crossover there because, come on, I suspect Horror Express is going to be on all three of these lists, you know. I narrowed it down by saying, no, 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 non-Nashy. But uh, we're going to do that in July, and I think that'll be fun. I have the feeling halfway through the show I'm going to wish I'd said five instead of three <laughs> because we're going to end up talking a whole lot about probably like two films but uh, because they stand out. We've got, we've got that scheduled. We've got a couple of more, for the Nash guests, we've got a couple more Spanish horror films on the boil. We've got uh, Candle for the Devil we're going to do and, and a couple of others that we're going to do as the year goes on. Uh, we, you know, it's no secret that we've kind of uh, tapped out on covering the Nashy films unless we fold back in on ourselves and start talking about them, you know, again. Because that we've done a total of 55 of them. And until someone, someone fan subs some of the more that uh, were never dubbed into English... We're kind of at a standstill on that, but the the Nashi cast will stay alive because there there will never work our way through all the Spanish horror films you know that don't involve Nashi necessarily, and uh, the joy of that is being able to have guests come on and do a theme thing like hey your three favorite non Nashies. So in the future, I know we don't we don't have the ability to schedule this right now, but I'm going to eventually ask you to come on to do a similar thing to that because what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask uh, this is just I haven't even put this to Troy yet but what I have in mind I've got the notes at home is the idea would be asking you your three favorite werewolf films and it it wouldn't be Nashy specific in any way but just to talk about werewolf films in general and then back our way into talking about the differences in how Nashi approached the werewolf film and how others did. And I keep discovering new things. I just uh, recently saw this 1960s um, Mexican werewolf film called La Loba. And I got to tell you, in that, the only way to kill a werewolf is with an ivory-bladed knife. Never heard of this before in my life. But that's one of the joys of this. It's a pretty good little film, too. And so one of the things about just talking about three favorite werewolf films... Judge it however you want. That's probably what 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 I'll ask. I may ask for five because you get into that you get into that thing where, you know, okay, so Howling, American Wolf in London, because there are certain yeah. certain things that kind of rise to the top. But that's how we'll continue the show is uh, finding ways to talk about the subject at an angle from a different okay. from, a di- from a different perspective. So. I will eventually uh, be bugging be bugging you. I love the idea. Well, I want to have you back on because we have the second Antonio Margheriti Gamma yeah. One movie to talk about, and yeah. then this August, part of Edgar August Poe Castle of Blood. I yeah, which is uh, it's such a great film. Such well, a great also film. Also, Antonio Margheriti. So, love Antonio Margheriti. Uh, he, he was always you know always a distant second to Mario Bava, but even a distant second to Mario Bava is at least worth talking about. So. Sure, sure. And you've got the Bloody Pit of Rod and your website. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to everything. I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up before you call me a blasphemer for having not watched very many, if any, Paul Nashi films. <laughs> Actually, I take that back. I have seen Horror Rises from the Tomb. Yes, and Horror Rises from the Tomb is a truly fantastic Spanish horror I film. haven't seen any of his werewolf movies. Real? Oh, but the, no, no, no. You're not a blasphemer for that. You have so much joy in front of you. <laughs> because... Don't 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 get me wrong. You'll love some and think others are just freaking weird. I dare you. There's almost there's a part of me that wants you to have the experience that so many American uh, viewers of these things did, which was go watch Fury of the Wolfman first because it fell into public domain. 
and therefore it was the easiest to see for a very long time, and it is a complete disaster. <laughs> a complete disaster. The guy who directed it was a drunk. Oh. Yeah, wow. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Nashi, Nashi lost control of it completely from the word go, so there's like some some of what he wanted to get done in that movie, and then there's just insane stuff. They like tore scenes out of his first werewolf film and just randomly inserted it into Fury of the Wolfman. It is well worth seeing because... It's the worst one you're going to see. So I would have to go up from there. There's no way to okay. go anywhere but up from that one. But, <laughs> but like I say, most Americans saw that one first. So, Fair enough, Rod. Thanks for doing this. Finally made it happen on a Sunday while everybody's starting to shut down. <laughs> We've been so busy. There's too much going on always. always. Always is. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. So I'm sitting here with one of my absolute favorite people, and I'm not just saying that because she's here. Uh, Victoria Price, uh, I keep running into you. It's, it's, I love talking with you. How you doing? I'm good. It's been a fun con, huh? Now, this is the second time you've done Monster Bash? Third. Third? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's been your favorite part so far this weekend? It's almost over, so. The people. Yeah. It's just so great talking to everybody. Everybody is so sweet and hearing their stories about my dad yeah. and just hearing their stories in general. It's been so much fun. I was just talking with Brad Braddock, uh, an author here, who said he told you a story about his mother running into him on an airplane yes. and sitting down and, and, and the stories that you were telling the man, I know we, we talk about him as this horror actor and icon, but hearing those stories, hearing your stories, just brings him to life as a person. And, and the, the love of just people and, and learning and, and connecting, it really comes through. And I appreciate that you do that with what you're doing. I mean, you've done it to me. And, man, I, I, can't, I can't thank you enough. It's been amazing. Thank you. You know, I just love the opportunity. Here's this person I love so mm -hmm. much, and I get to share him with other people who love him. It's yeah. a total gift. When it comes to these kinds of conventions, um, obviously, you know, it's the monster thing. It's the genre thing. Over the years, you've kind of embraced the monster stuff. Are, are there any particular films by your father that you still, eh, maybe not going to watch that one just yet? Or have you seen them all now? I haven't seen them all. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry to say. I have a hard time with Witchfinder General. He's so mean and it's so violent. That's a tough one for me. We were talking about that earlier, that it's all the guys seem to really like it. All the women are like, oh, he does some pretty bad things to women in that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, not good. You know, it's a testament to his acting, though, because he becomes this character that's like the anti-Vincent Price. Totally. And he, he was miserable during the making of that movie. So miserable. I've heard that, that there were... I wouldn't say conflicts, but but it was a difficult shoot and a young director and some difficulties there. So, but I mean, he pulled it off. Professional. Yes. No, professional. he was always a professional. And he even had the grace to say to the director after he saw the movie, I understand what you were trying to do. And thank you. I wish you had been able to do it a little differently. But he was a young man and obviously, a, unfortunately, a troubled young man. That he was. That he was. So of the films then, do you have a particular favorite when it comes to the monster movies? Or the genre films, because they're not all monsters per se. You know, I've come to actually love quite a few of them. I like Dr. Fives, Theater of Blood, House on Haunted Hill, yeah. The Tingler. Uh, you know, I've come to really enjoy them. I love the clip from Theater of Blood that you played yesterday. Hi, I'm Butch. Yes. You know, it's like, that's, that's the <laughs> I find that clip on YouTube and I send it to my friends just kind of randomly every once in a while <laughs> just to get a reaction out of them. I had a chance to see that in the theater a couple of years ago in Portland. They showed it at the art museum. Oh, fun. Um, and I had never seen it before. Oh, you're kidding. And I had heard you talk about how it was, you know, an opportunity for him to get back at his, you know, whatever. Right. And 
man, it was so good. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, except for the stuff with the dogs. I was like, oh, did he really have to I do know, that to the dogs? The but pie. The, I mean, you know, uh, of the non-genre stuff, is it Laura that's your favorite? I love Laura. Yes, I really do. You know, it's just such a great film. It's an ensemble piece. It's beautifully mm-hmm. directed, beautifully acted, nuanced, lots of layers. It's always fun to see new things. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Baron of Arizona. Yes. Big fan of that one. And, and it's not exactly a horror movie, but it gets lumped in with him. Shock. I really love yeah. Shock. He's got that, I mean, he's, he's a little dastardly, but he's still kind of suave. You know, and it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun to see them. I was at the Film Noir Film Festival in uh, Palm Springs last oh, month. Oh, wow. And I got to see the web on the big screen. It was really fun. There were so many things about the plot that just were nonsensical. It's like, wait. Why? Where? But it was just a fun film to watch, and the writing was so clever. Oh yeah, yeah, no, and, and he, I think, I feel like if you put your father in a suit, the movie's worth watching. I mean, just and, and he wore <laughs> suits all the time, that. so you know. I mean, I love that. It's so. I mean, he was so. I'm gushing, and I'm trying real hard not to gush, mm-hmm. but man, and just I loved his work. And uh, your talk last night, you were were talking about your father and sharing lessons that you've learned from kind of evaluating your life with your father and that sort of thing and see the reaction from the people in the crowd was just touching and amazing because I've, I've heard a version of that before when you came to Portland a few years ago and, and bits and pieces of it when you were in Portland last month right. but but it's always kind of evolved there's always little things being added here and there uh do you, do you find that happening a lot that you learn something else we got to put it in here we got to learn something else this month I got to do that I think you know, one of the things I learned from my dad about uh, speaking in front of groups of people is that it's not about speaking to people. It's listening with your heart to them and sort of understanding what that particular group of people might need to hear and letting it come through you. That's usually what happens for me. And so I think this week just struck me and this time right now, but particularly this week has been such a brutal week in the world. So much bad news. Uh you know, all of the stuff coming out of politics and immigration and uh, just the global mood is so disheartened. And I just felt like we all need a shot in the arm, but not in a way that's sort of just pie in the sky, like, oh, let's all be in a good mood and do something out. It's really more how in the face of all this darkness can we connect with our hearts and show up to one another in our hearts. And that was really what I wanted to share. So I feel like my dad lived through so many difficult, dark times, the McCarthy era and red baiting. Uh, he lived through both world wars and the Korean War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, so many uh, political and and uh, financial crises, the Great Depression. And he always managed to show up in joy. It wasn't that he was immune to really dark periods of time, but that he found a way to find joy through his philosophy of life. And I think that's what I like to share, because it's one thing for me to say, oh gosh, you know, this is something that's helped me. But here's here's somebody that everybody in that room loved, and they could see that he was a person too, dealing with tough things. And so... I know that I got to spend uh, a day that was a really hard day for me. It was a hard day for the world. Uh, That day I ended up being on the Hopi reservation and spending it with a a number of wonderful Hopi people and sort of going and walking through the history of the oldest continuously inhabited uh, villages in the United States. 
And you could see their whole history kind of on the ground, pot shards and corn cobs and things that had been there forever. And we were hearing the history and talking with this great guy that I've been out there many times with. And I thought, okay, well, they've gone through this for thousands of years and they're still here. So I think it's always important for us to share stories of people and and of of just stories in general of survival and what we've used to learn how to survive and find inspiration in those. So the stories are all in me because my dad shared them with me and they've become my own because I've learned how to live them in my own periods of darkness and light. And so it's just, what do we all need to hear today? And I need to hear it as much as everyone else. It's not like, I got my act together and I'm going to tell you guys. It's like, we all need a shot in the arm, right? Right. We all need to recognize that we're here to help each other through. We're all walking each other home. Do you ever have trouble reconciling the pursuit of joy and a movie in which your father is chopping up a poodle and, put, I mean, <laughs> and putting it in a pie. I mean, it's, it's too, on the surface, it feels like it's too dia- diametric. You know, they're opposing things. Totally. Is there a way to, to reconcile that for, for people who don't get it the way we do? Well, this is a story I'm going to tell. When I was uh, a teenager, early teen, you know, maybe pre-teens, my dad did this uh, commercial for Monster Vitamins. And in the commercial, he, as my dad, who looked a lot like Vincent Price, the horror actor, kept his kids in the basement. But he was a good enough father to throw them down some Monster Vitamins through the (laughs) trap door. And so many people came up to me and they were like, oh my God, does your dad keep you in the basement? And and I thought that was hilarious because my dad was the least mean person on the planet, right? But when I got older and I realized that there were so many kids who had gone through really horrible childhoods and, and maybe literally they weren't kept in the basement, but it was like an emotional basement. It was a horrible place. And here was my dad who became this sort of way of people seeing that darkness and light can exist together. And, and it's actually sometimes only through darkness that we can feel the power of the light. And so I really recognized that that's part of the power of these movies, that we can go into this other world and face our fears and realize we're all going to be okay. So that was really the way that I reconcile. You know, he was the least likely person to hurt an animal ever. He was, I'm sure, appalled by Poodle Pie. So in a way, by poking fun at it, it was like, remember, good is real. And good will win. Love always wins. And even though right now it's not really looking like that. It's a, it's a, it's a fine line to walk when, when you start talking about what's going on in the world and politics and things like that. But I think the way you put it last night and, and, and that we're celebrating the goodness and, and instead of preaching, you know, you really shouldn't be doing, you know. Right. There, there's this fine line to walk. And I think you walked it gracefully last night. And, and Everybody in that room comes from different backgrounds, different sure. politics, different sure, parts of the country of course. And world. And there wasn't anybody in there who was like, boo, you know, based on anything. It was all wonderful and, and, and affirming. Well, because it's about getting out of our heads and thinking what is right and wrong, yeah. as if there is a right and wrong. You know, the only right and wrong that really exists is what our heart tells us. And at the end of the day... You know, on paper, it's easy to believe anything. But faced with a situation, most people really 
when they respond from their heart, they all respond the same way. We, we are programmed, we are built to love one another. And when we get out of our heads, that's possible. Well, we definitely love what your father gave us, and I, I personally love what you're doing, and I'm sure everybody Thank else you. is too. Just promoting what your father did and, and taking it to the next step by, by going to these conventions that he clearly he obviously can't be at. Just, um, you know, I say that, but I feel like he kind of is through you. Oh, I, I feel all the time like he's here, and I feel like he would get a kick out of it. And sometimes I imagine that if he were sitting there listening to someone instead of me and I hold myself up to a really high standard because he was such an amazing people person but I often feel like he comes through me and it's a way of my getting to be with him and remember the best of this person who really was an extraordinary person I hope it never overshadows how wonderful we think you are as well thank you Uh, you've been very gracious with me from the first time I met you and I was kind of a bubbling fanboy, like, oh my God, you're coming to Portland, can I record your thing? You were so gracious and friendly with me and, and when I asked you to call into the show, you did and and all this and it's just, it's been wonderful. So I please, I hope it's not overshadowed by how wonderful you are because I adore you. Thank, thank you, you so and much. right back at you. Thank you so much. And I loved looking this. out and seeing your smiling face in <laughs> Portland last month. I was like, oh. It's like, oh, Victoria. You know. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. Have a safe flight home. Right back at and you. We'll see I each other soon. I hope so. Yes. I hope yes. Okay. Say yes. Yes. <laughs> We're here at the end of the show, and it occurred to me that while I was recording the opening of the show, well, it's 4th of July here in the States. It is currently about 10 o'clock p.m. Wednesday night, which means all the neighbors and everybody else are setting off all their fireworks, scaring the heck out of one of my cats and probably leaving some fireworks sounds in the background of my recording. You know what? I'm not going to edit it out because it is the 4th of July. You know, go Independence Day or whatever. I, I hope you are enjoying or had a safe Independence Day. And yeah, I want to thank you for listening. I've had a blast at Monster Bash. I really did. It was so much fun. It is refreshing. It is restorative. And yeah, I know I'm currently unemployed or, excuse me, separated from my company. The good vibes that I got from Monster Bash a couple weeks ago, it's enough to keep me going. I'm not depressed about any of this. A little freaked out about the income part because that's going to be a thing. But, you know... It's going to take a heck of a lot more than being separated from my company to bring this monster kid down. You know what I'm saying? Also, a couple of things that we've got going on with Monster Kid Radio. Remember, we've got the Monster Kid Radio Rally Retro Awards. You can continue to vote for this year's rallies by going to tinyurl.com slash rallies2018. That'll take you to a Google Doc where you can fill out your ballot for Best Actor, Actress, Director, Movie, and Monster from the film's of 1934, 1944, and 1954. We'll be announcing the results of the Rally Awards later this summer, maybe even early September. That makes sense because August is Edgar August Poe month, where we're going to be doing nothing but Edgar Allan Poe movies. Hopefully that's going to come off without a hitch like Lucha de Mayo did. Looking forward to that. You heard me mention it when I was talking with Rod Barnett, that we've got him lined up to do Castle of Blood. Got a few other things in the works, including a recording scheduled this weekend with my man, Dr. Gang Green, Larry Underwood, to talk about one of the Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe, Roger Corman films. That'll be a lot of fun. What's coming up next week on the show? Well, we're not ready for Edgar August Poe yet. 
So let's just kick off a regular episode. Why don't we have Christopher Franklin and Jim Beard on the show to talk about the Val Luton film, The Body Snatcher. The last time Karloff and Lugosi worked together. It's a good, good movie. And depending on how the audio turned out, I may even have some audio from Sharon Moffat from Monster Bash that I can drop into that episode as well. So stay tuned for that. Speaking of which, I did record quite a few panels and talks and presentations and that sort of thing. I'm not including them in this week's episode. I didn't include them last week either because I want to go through and kind of sweeten that all up, edit out all the the background noise and the hissing. We had a lot of times two microphones placed in the room. So hopefully the audio is going to be good and you're going to like what you hear. But that's all coming up down the line. Between this week and next week, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Yeah, and that's it. Thank you for listening. My name is Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao, and stay tuned for one more recording from Monster Bash with Joshua Kennedy and company. When Josh says, let's play the Classic Five, we play the Classic Five. But it's Joshua Kennedy, man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great, man. This is heaven on earth is Monster Bash. <laughs> you flew in from overseas. Yes. You, you were across the pond. Before that, you were on the other side of the country. Well, I guess not too far from here. Yeah. But you've been in the air a lot lately. Yes. And, and here you are. Yes. Yes. How, how are you feeling? I'm a little jet lagged. I'm actually very jet lagged. But, I mean, to play the Classic Five with you, Derek... It's worth staying up for. The Classic Five. Okay, man. We've been playing it off and on all day with every single person I put in front of the microphone. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Card number one. This is from the Monster Bash exclusive expansion deck. You can tell because it's got orange. Ooh. Fancy. What is your favorite classic horror or suspense television series? It's Dark Shadows. (laughs) I mean... We were just talking about Dark Shadows. We were just talking about Dark Shadows. It's weird childhood where sci-fi channel was still um sci-fi yeah sci-fi before <laughs> before it became c-fi or it was actually sci sci fi yeah. yeah it was not the sci-fi we know today but they were still showing reruns as a kid so i would get it every morning oh. and so it was almost like i was living in the 60s in this weird time tunnel and my mom was a huge dark shadows fan it was so yeah i still am what about you Oh, I love Dark Shadows. Are you, yeah. are you kidding me? I'm loving my Dark Shadows. Um, but I like Thriller a lot, a lot oh, too. Oh, yeah. His favorite episode of Thriller is uh, Pigeons from Hell. Because I'm a huge Robert E. Howard fan. Yes. And, and that is just an amazing adaptation. But, I mean, Thriller's great. Um, I like One Step Beyond quite a bit, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, and how can we not mention Twilight Zone? I mean, Twilight that's, Zone. That's, I mean, there's so many, good, so many good. But right now, let's say Dark Shadows. Yes. I'm, I'm on board with that. Good. All right, card number two. This is the Hammer expansion. It's got a red circle on it Uh-oh. For, for Blood Red. For uh, Blood Hammer, Kensington blood, Gore. And, and, and we know this is appropriate for Josh because he's got that mad on for Hammer like we all should. Yes. All right, favorite film of these three. Karnstein Trilogy, Vampire Lovers, Lust for a Vampire, or Twins of Evil? Oh, it's not Lust for a Vampire. Not Lust for a Vampire? <laughs> that is the lesser of the three. I'll, I'll give you that. Yes. The lesser of... Hammer, if we're going to be... <laughs> Not a fan, huh? No, yeah, no. Um, it, I, that's tough. I mean, Twins of Evil has Cushing as Gustav Vile, but Vampire Lovers has Ingrid Pitt, who I have a soft spot. I don't know, man. 
Cushing is in Vampire Lovers too, but he doesn't have much to do. If you had both movies in your hand right now and you're going to sit down to watch one, what, what's the one that gets you? I, I mean, right now, Vampire Lovers because I saw Twins of Evil recently. Okay. So let's right. say Vampire Lovers. Okay. What about you? Ooh, you know, I, I love Twins of Evil mm-hmm. so much. Uh, Cushing is so delight bad in that. Ugh. And the score is so amazing. It's, I love the film score in that. It's, 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 it's a Western practice. It is. And I, I'm, not, I'm blanking on the composer's name, but he always wanted to do a Western. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can hear it, it in it. It totally is. It's just... Mm. Yeah. When they're riding through the forest and, and oh. the music's playing, it's like, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a bad posse. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with them. <laughs> All right, card number three. If you could swap places with any character from any classic monster movie, oh, who would it be? That's a great question. Oh, snap. That's, that's one of the new questions that, in this I deck. like that one. Yeah. That's good. I, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Right? Yeah. Any of them? Yeah. Oh, Wow. I, I mean, do you, do you have one that comes to mind for you? Whatever Richard Carlson's character is in Creature. I mean, oh, come that's, on. You okay, know. fair enough. Yeah. You know, I'm just, you know, if Julie Adams wants to hang all over me in her white swimsuit, I get it. That's, that's yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's the... Well, maybe basically any Richard Carlson, you know, <laughs> He role. was one dashing dude. Yes, he, he was. He was suave. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, my whole life is... I mean, our lives are based around these. Like, how can yeah. I just choose one? That's true. That's true. Um... I'm blanking, man. Uh, it's the jet lag, right? It's the, well, the jet lag's kicking in. Yeah, yeah, blame the jet lag. But I'll come, let me let me think on that one. Okay, okay. We have, well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll come size. back to that one. And this is one of our classic questions: What Boris Karloff role should have been or could have been played by Legosi? I would have liked. I, I think it goes without saying. We all love Karloff. And we won't change anything. But I think it would have been interesting to have Legosi as. The sorcerer in the Raven, you know, oh, wow. right? When the, I, I, Lugosi versus Vincent Price in that little oh, thing. Oh man, I think that that might have been an interesting. That would have been a completely different vibe. But I it know, been right? Neat. But just his whole Dracula. Oh, even more versus, menacing. Yes, just, just stuff on the. Oh wow. Yeah, that's what that's what I just thought of right now. I'm probably going to think of something five minutes from now. But that, that's how this works. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh. The evil sorcerer in the castle with powers and... Yeah. You got one? The boogeyman will get you. We'll see him swap out with that so he can, like, hang out with Peter Laurie some more. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good I like pick. that a lot. Great pick. All right, here's the fifth card. Let's do it. And I, I this one's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm going to try to change it up with my answer. Okay, okay. What other monster should Abbott and Costello have met in the movies? Well, I know what you're going to say. Well, Even though, didn't they meet him in... On TV, they met yes. the creature, and everybody says the creature, but I'm going to say something different when it comes to me, so... Say something different. Somebody, who do I want? Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about, and I think it's because the Bowery Boy stuff is here and, and, and such, and just different comedy teams messing with monsters and things, and mm-hmm. um, I've been thinking about Abbott and Costello and maybe what some non-universal stuff would have looked like, and maybe something like Abbott and Costello and the Screaming Skull or something like that would have been Ooh. fun, you know? Now, I don't know how that would have worked since that movie's so intimate and small with a newlywed couple. Yeah, of course, but, still, but that's, the question doesn't mean it's just asking, yeah. what would they have been? Oh, dude. Yeah, something like that would have been Or fun. like, <laughs> Abner and Costello meet the Tingler or, you know, <laughs> something. <laughs> and then he has to scream because it's on his back. Oh, that oh, screaming like skull, though. That's, that's yeah, something like that, you that's, know? That's, huh. But I do like the Tingler. That's the Tingler would be funny, yeah. Be very I'm cool. just trying to think with the possibilities for... Uh, 
a comedy yeah. would be. Oh, it would be great. Yeah. 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 Chick, 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 chick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the tingler going up his leg. Yes, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> okay, what was the question? It was who would we swap out with, right? Yeah, who would we swap any, out? In any, class, in any character from any classic monster movie, who would you any take classic. places with? <clears throat> Carl Denham. Oh, hey, there's an adventure for us. Yeah. Filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, going on, there you go. Yeah. From the first film. Uh, oh, not the second not the one second where he's getting one. sued by the entire city of New or York. Or not the, the, the Peter Jackson one at all. Oh, well. But uh, <laughs> I think that goes without saying. Yeah. yeah. It would make that movie infinitely better. Uh, you know, I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, Ooh, Carl Denham. I like that. Yeah. Do you have one that's, I mean, besides Richard Carlson? Well, Richard Carlson from Creature. Um, that's that's the easy answer. Though. That is the easy answer. <laughs> Richard Denning from, no. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. Um, um, Lucas from uh, Creature yeah. from Black Lagoon. Maybe Richard Denning's character from The Black Scorpion would be fun. Nice. I mean, it's you're in the same route as the I same. I really <laughs> am. I really am. Let, let me see if I can break away. Um, it's tough, right? It's it's. See, I thought I was all clever coming up with this card, but this one's tough. I know, because you have all the possibilities. I don't know the character's name, even though it's my favorite Inner Sanctum film, but maybe Elon Cheney's character from Weird Woman. That might be kind of a, an interesting experience. Yeah. Maybe a little harrowing, but yeah, kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah. If you could just live for it one day. And, yeah, just yeah. M- maybe one where things aren't going poorly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, that, that is a tough card. I know. It's, uh, you, Here I, see, you I didn't play Pandora's test some of these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You open Pandora's box with that one. What about you guys? Dan, who would you switch characters out with? If you could switch places with a character from any classic monster movie, who would it be? Me personally? Yeah. Uh, Barry Andrews and Jack Lazarus from the grave uh, because I would be a far better um, perspective made for Veronica Carlson than him. And the movie would be like about 30 minutes long because I, I know how to kill vampires properly. So. Yes, yes. We all know your thing with Barry Andrews. <laughs> What about you, Scott? Roy Scheider from Jaws. Because oh, <laughs> he's like one of the ones to survive, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he does survive. He does survive. Point. He does survive. <laughs> you come down here and give us an answer, Tim. Uh, I would say Dick Coran in The Mummy's Hand. The Mummy's Hand. The Mummy's Hand. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. See that? Like the what in The Mummy's Hand? Oh, The Mummy's Hand. Yeah. That's good. I like yeah, that. Right. That's good. I think I'd have some fun. Get a little, <laughs> yeah. get a little romance. Mine was Carl Denham. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 It took you me know. two hours to figure it out. It took you? <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we, we had the question. He's like, yeah, we'll put that aside. Let's do the other two and we'll come back to it. Like, I thought it was any. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. but That's a um, fantastic you go, question. You could go so many ways with that. You know? I yeah. Mean, do you want to be the villain? Do you want to be, you know, mm-hmm. do you want the abilities of Dracula? You know, but no. <laughs> Una O'Connor in The Invisible Man. <laughs> that, that's the. Okay. I changed my vote. <laughs> He's homicidal. You know, when I covered that movie on the show years ago, I had Freddie Morris from Not a Living Podcast on, and he pointed out that in, in some of the guests' room in that hotel, there's like this glamour shot of Una O'Connor. Yes. Like, how, how did that scenario happen? Like, when. when why are there glamour shots of Una in all the hotel the, the rooms? Hotel rooms it's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> I have a better question. How come there isn't any vendors around here selling copies of that picture? Yeah. <laughs> I would buy one. Yeah? I would put one in my room. That's that's inevitable. You know, it's on DVD. It's on Blu-ray. I mean, we could probably pull it out and blow it up, Photoshop a little bit. Well, I wonder. It might be. Maybe it's a headshot from, like, and they put it. 
from like yeah. a studio headshot, you know, that you can probably yeah. find. That was that was her husband's present for her birthday. He took her to a, um, a photographer, yeah, like, 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 like the Thames in 1932 or something, and that you know that was the. That, that was the birthday. You know, that just inspired me because I'm doing the Invisible Man on on stage next month, and I'm gonna get that, find get some picture and put it on the wall. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> you are doing the Invisible Man on stage secretly right now, but yes, well, nobody's gonna see it, right? Ha 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 ha! That is an understatement. Well, well Josh and I, we were we were talking about. He doesn't even didn't even realize Caroline did a Caroline Monroe. Did an audio commentary on the Captain Kronos DVD, the one that Paramount released, mm-hmm. and you know I was I was talking to him about it, and and I think Brian Clemens is on the audio commentary, and, and he and I were talking about Brian Clemens who's been running Hammer in the early 1970s, and yeah. if you want to know why we're the real reason why Hammer fell apart, you know Michael Carreras has been quoted in several places that oh I didn't like Captain Kronos I didn't think it was a very good film well you know it's like Come on, I mean... It didn't do very well at the time, though, no, right? No, it, it, it didn't, and I understand and that. I wonder how I mean, much of that, though, is hammered, like, eh, whatever, yeah, whatever. Right? Yeah, let's just put I, it out there. Because, I mean, it, wasn't that another one of those that it took, like, like a year or two years to even come out? It was, like, yeah. filmed in 72, and it was released in, like, 74 or something? Yeah. Or, so, yeah, the fact that... I think that was what Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell was the same thing. Yes. The fact that it took them, like, two years just to release these things, you know. It, it well, and even longer to come out over here with yeah. some oh, of them. Damn, I know. Yeah. Satanic Rites took, That's what, like, ten years. Yeah. They had to change the name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, really? The Legend of Seven Golden Vampires is the same thing. Yeah. Well, and that one's got a weird thing because it's got kind of two different releases. Yeah. You know, the, the Hammer and the Shaw Brothers. Brothers. Yeah. It's so weird. Which yeah. I still want to see somebody take both of them and just put them together, one giant fan at it. If right. it's not been done, please do it. I tried watching like the the Seven Brothers meets Dracula version. I, I could just couldn't. <laughs> it, it's like literally somebody just chopped chopped up a bunch of scenes and just threw them in a, in a mixer and just like released yeah. what was what was put together. It makes no sense it's, whatsoever. It's got some interesting stuff in it that if they put it in the other, it's got a lot more hopping vampires. Yeah, but if. <laughs> If they chop it up just right and put it in, I mean, it's a little bit more backstory about what happened to the village, but it's still a lot of close-ups of slow motion, mm-hmm. hopping vampire stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's over and over and over again. It's like, come on, we get it, we get it. Yeah, it's it's, but but it's got an awesome Van Helsing. So oh, yeah, I mean, it once again. I think I was telling Tim on the drive out here, if they're gonna remake one Hammer movie, I think that's the one they should remake. Is it just like an action for who would they put in it? Well. I mean, a couple you, years ago, I would have said CGI Peter Cushing. You can oh do him my again. God. <laughs> a few years ago, I would have said like put like Jet Li or something, but he's not doing sure great. You can find some. You know, that would like you know. that would have been cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes, I thank. I'd love that game. Did you pull some out on purpose? No. Oh, okay. Cheating. Yeah. Because this is one of my favorite ones. It's your favorite Evil and Anchors role. Are you asking that now? Sure. Why not? I'll let, I'll let the master go first. The master. I mean, I'm shuffling shuffling through my memory. I mean, I can go so cliche, but I don't want to go cliche. What do you got? Well, I have to go the wolf, man, because okay, honestly, that, that's, yeah. I realize that's the cliche one, but that's the first one you, you see her in. And that sort of sets her the, her character in all these other universal films. She's like the, you know, the, the nice, you know, innocent kind of, you know leading lady and that that basically defines her you know as yeah. an actress i think so yeah you, you have to go the wolfman and and sadly in most of the other universal films that she was in she was barely in them i mean yeah. her character wasn't really all that developed but well and she, she has a nice meaty role in wolfman like she has a lot and, to do and i just just came to me is it 
weird woman. Weird woman where she's basically the the, the, the villain. That's she's that very was, good. That's my answer. Is weird woman yeah, yeah, good? Very answer. good, but honestly, to that might be define mine. to define evil anchors. I think it has to be the Wolfman for yeah. me anyway. Yeah, it's I, iconic. Yeah, no, but weird woman. Ah. Yeah. She didn't like playing the villain. It's the thing. It's no, too no, bad, no. which no. is you, so you rare. Yeah, someone to do. It's like that's the but best no, I part. I think just I think you know there's there's certain like actors and actresses their personalities come out in the movies and it's almost like you know who they are you, you kind of can tell that was evil mm-hmm. anchors and what i've read about her and her marriage with richard denning that was kind of like her how she was in real life you know i never knew she was married to richard denning oh yeah she didn't know yeah. that i didn't know she, that what is wrong she, with you? <laughs> she's how i make the connection from creature from the black lagoon to pretty much any I'm, other I'm universal movie reading. typically yeah, i'm kicking you out of my house now okay? so, <laughs> no um, wow weird woman is really good um I like her in Son of Dracula. Yes. But in, what's the, the last Invisible Man film? Not, not The Invisible Man Returns, but oh, like Revenge that, of the Invisible Man yeah, or whatever. Invisible Man Agent. Revenge. Yeah, she's in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then she that, disappears. That's, that's what I'm saying. And then saying. she shows up at the very, very the, end. Which one's like, that? That's the very last one. Um, the Revenge? John no, Invisible it might be Revenge. I well, John Hall was an agent yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, John Carradine's in it. Yeah, Carradine's in it. I can't remember who the old... Is John Hall the Invisible Man in that one? Yes, yeah. I believe so. I haven't seen that one in... It's... I don't remember. It's not as good. I mean, it's, it's, I would even say Invisible Woman is probably better. Oh my God. But Invisible (laughs) Woman is so. Yeah. It's the Invisible Woman. (laughs) But it's got, it's got, it's got shimp in it. So I mean, you know. Yeah. I I like him. I like him all though. I mean, you've heard the show. I, I, it's hard for me to find something to just truly dislike. I'm too easy. Hey, except lust for a vampire. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's just let's just call that common ground. <laughs> Get it out. 